And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Hillary Rodham Clinton, of course, yesterday, the big news, big news. It's uh, it's all over the news where uh, Hillary has, uh, took a stumble, passed out, whatever, in uh, New York City. Hillary's own 9-11, folks. I, I personally, I did a video earlier, uh, pre-show, a 30-minute video to talk about the, uh, about the issue. But, uh, folks, this has been long in the planning. We're being gamed. We are being massaged. We're being um, led down a garden path. You think that Hillary Clinton's health is not an issue? It most certainly is. Well, what's going on? Well, I believe, and this is my personal belief based on research and also contact, it is to create a situation that will cast doubt on the legitimacy of the Trump victory and chaos. Chaos. It's all about chaos, orchestrated chaos, and this is what we're seeing. And we will see more of it. The perpetrators behind this, of course, are the globalists. The facilitators include, but are not limited to, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the head of the DNC, and all of her people. Also, every uh, not not just Clinton herself, but the but her uh, but the Cheryl Mills and Huma Abedin and all of the people that know of the severity of Hillary Clinton's health crisis. Now, really quick, uh, before we bring Joe on and before we go full bore here, I just want to mention this. All right. The uh, the situation is this. Um, the pneumonia is probably true, but it's not pneumonia. For example, it's not pneumonia caused by some virus. We'll say no. This pneumonia, in my in my view, I believe this to be fact. Uh, after talking with Ted Brower yesterday and also today or uh, uh, Friday during the show and, and today also. The pneumonia is an artifact or consequence of some neurological condition. For example, Parkinson's. How many people die from Parkinson's? You die from uh, 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 complications to Parkinson's. And uh, yeah, uh, hang on a second. The uh, oh, okay, okay, that's fine. The, the pneumonia being a symptom of the the disease of the Parkinson's right. disease. Right. And so there's a just a which wait a minute, which camera is down? <clears throat> that one. You know, so I, I might have unplugged. Well, I didn't unplug it, but I, I might have. There. Well, yeah, I might have unplugged that camera from the back of the. All right. Anyway, just bear with us. We're. Yeah, we're gonna put up a, a splash screen for a moment here. But 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 look. Uh, where was I when that thing flashed across there? Okay. Um, the. Uh, the issue is this, uh, the pneumonia is, I, I, I believe, is an artifact or a consequence of the neurological condition that, uh, that Hillary is, is, uh, has. And obviously there is a neurological condition and some say Parkinson's, some say, uh, uh, some cortex, uh, uh, vascular degenerative, uh, dementia, whatever it might be. But, but the bottom line is this. When you have a candidate like Hillary Clinton running against a candidate, Donald Trump, 
whether it's Clinton or Sanders or whoever it might be, but in particular Clinton, um, and she or, or the election is, is cast in, in, into doubt because of, we'll say, because of, uh, well, let me, let, me, let me walk that back for a second. When you have Trump as such a popular candidate, among the people, and and there, the, his popularity is growing. You cannot believe the polls, and I, su- I suspect that you've got to understand that first. The, the polls are not reflective of the people's opinion. So when you've got a popular candidate who's supported by uh, well over a majority of the of the voting public, and that that's Donald Trump, when you've got that running against the globalist agenda, you've got to do something to nullify uh, Trump. Well, you, you can't necessarily, I mean, you could possibly take him out as in, in the larger sense, but that would make him a martyr. Or you could, uh, you could create, you could create a, uh, cast out on the legitimacy of the elections. Think back to 2000, year 2000, when Bush won, uh, well, when Bush was selected by, by a Supreme Court vote. Um, but multiply the consequences. Now, multiply that by, factors just great factors because you see the vitriol of the anti-trump people can you imagine the very same anti-trump people who are uh and, and joe hop on uh, hop on now but uh, can you imagine the vitriol of the anti-trump people when you have a trump victory based on we'll say a uh, an electoral decision and that's what it could come out to be. The, the popular yeah. vote might not even be, because the popular vote doesn't elect the candidate, the Electoral College elects a candidate, as I and explained a, in the video. According to, you know, polls and experts out there, alleged experts, that it's already over based on the Electoral College's vote. And even George Soros himself said Donald Trump could win the popular vote in a landslide, but still lose because of the Electoral College. Right. Now, now, now think about that. But now you've got, but because of one cameraman, one person with the with the camera, or with the cell phone, or whoever took that video, uh, I'm not even sure of the uh, of the origins of that video. It really doesn't matter. But but that one person, that one video, really threw a monkey wrench into the plans of the globalists. I would suspect. So having said that, how do they exploit that? Well, they if they can't win, they're gonna they're gonna burn the place down essentially, and that's America. They're gonna burn it all down, baby. If they can't win. And if they can't get their person in, in in the form of Clinton, well, then everything they're going to lay everything to waste. And I think that 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 although the plan, the long range plan, was the long range plan, I believe was to was to get Clinton in office again. The the cover of the uh, uh, Economist, I think that the the tide has turned now, where she will not be able to get into office. She will not be put into office. And based on that, of course. Uh, we're going to see something totally different, and that something totally different is going to be come in the form of a constitutional crisis or a crisis that is going to cast doubt on the legitimacy and authenticity of the electoral or the uh, results of the election. I want to mention, folks, that uh, tonight's broadcast brought to you by Elite Island Resorts. Boy, how about now? I mean, g- given the fact that all of the headlines that we're seeing, how, how about uh, getting away for even for the holidays and leaving leaving the chaos behind think about christmas or think about thanksgiving or whatever the case might be wouldn't you like to spend your your holidays uh this holiday season relaxing on the beach instead of uh cleaning up after your relatives that sounds good to me and and how many people do you know take their holiday photos on you know uh, for their cards or whatever on a warm sunny beach well now you can folks 
I found an amazing getaway, an even more amazing price behind it. The Pineapple Beach Club in Antigua right now for just for under 100 bucks a person, 99 bucks a person, 16 and up per night. You can enjoy adults only. Again, 16 and up is adults. All-inclusive holiday getaway on a white sandy beach. Go to pineapplebeachclub.com. That's pineapplebeachclub.com. Again, pineapplebeachclub.com. Or call 800-772-8711 to make your reservation today. More on that later. So we're talking about the uh, constitutional crisis that uh, could result and the chaos that could ensue from Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton taking a fall. And I, I we're going to retire and, the yak because it's not right now anymore <laughs> because I do believe that she is physically still. And if we no, can, no. yeah, if we can, uh, let's start by looking at, uh, we want to, we were talking earlier about the options, what would happen if uh, Hillary Clinton were to drop out, what would happen to the Democratic Party, yeah. who would be their candidate, how does it work, where are the rules? And, and for answers to like that, just, just select the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, hang on a second here, we got to, I got to, Grab this and yeah, the unmuted computer. Yeah, but, all of a sudden. But but what but I wanted to check ask out is, the uh, check out the uh, YouTube video I did. Say right. they're able to medicate her and prop her up, uh, and that? she gets through the rest of the election season, and it, it has to be an issue that the the uh, campaign has been caught lying to people, lying by omission and outright lying about her health. Even Hillary Clinton has been lying. And it's obviously out, the cat's out of the bag to a degree right now. You know, you still see a lot of news commentators, um, you know, giving her the benefit of the doubt or covering up what's really going on with yesterday. First, it started out as being she was dehydrated. Then she was, you know, she, she was overheated and then she had pneumonia. And it's interesting to see that, you know, they don't come out and say she had pneumonia until after the little incident that happened on camera. And if that incident wasn't captured on camera, would we even have heard anything? The dishonesty of the campaign is something people need to be largely aware of. If she stays, I mean, if she stays in the race, this just shows you this is a pattern of behavior. We've seen it with Benghazi. We've seen it with the email server. We've seen it uh, with her health issues. She will lie and lie and lie and lie until something happens, something breaks, something's uncovered. And the media and is create right an behind excuse her. for it. And the media shields her, protects yep. her. All the way down the line, uh, even to the, there was an interesting article in the New York Times today. Um, the guy who wrote it was the one last week after Labor Day calling everybody, you know, basically tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorists for questioning her health. Where reporters told her get a life, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Now they say, you know, uh, well, the things of conspiracy theories might have some, you know, value to it. Uh, but what does it say about Hillary Clinton herself? And, and how much of this could have been, you know, looked upon as sympathy instead of anger and, you know, I told you so, and see if she were to say, yes, I had pneumonia before she had these incidents or before she, you know, had the coughing fits, uh, most recent, and then this latest incident on September 11th at the 9-11 15-year anniversary memorial. Oh, let me ask you a question, though, Joe. If If you were... If the if the Republicans or conservatives, I'll, I'll just say conservatives because the Republicans, and Democrats, no, those are false titles. But if if you were a conservative and the conservative party did this, um, even okay, if instead of Clinton, if this was Trump, I'll ask mm-hmm. you, would you be angry if Trump did this? Uh, yeah, if if this yeah. is Trump as opposed to yeah, Hillary, absolutely. And if they, 
if there were indicators and uh, signs that showed that things were exactly the opposite of what he was saying and that, you know, there's a pattern of covering it up and things right. continuing to get worse to the point where it can't be hidden from the public's eye anymore. Um, you know, there was those videos where she had those weird facial expressions and then the one with her head bobbing and then the coughing fits. And we know that she's fainted in the past, but those were, you know, one was due to a blood clot and this is something completely different. It wasn't a, you know, overbearingly hot day in New York. It wasn't, you know, 100% humidity. It was 30% humidity. It was 81 degrees. Yeah, but read, read, read the forums like Democratic Underground. The people are saying, oh, oh, it was hot. It was muggy. I was there. Yeah, MSNBC, um, commentator yesterday said, oh yeah, if I was there and I had to wear a pantsuit, I probably would have fainted too. And you hear all, you know, the protection and the cover up. Uh, and of course, I would be mad if, if it was um, the other way around, absolutely. <laughs> so, all right, and and folks, uh, at, at the epicenter of this, really at the crux of this, I, I would urge everyone, and, and I, I think I might have failed to say this, I would urge everyone to to understand that the people in power are 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 planning two and three and four steps out. We're looking. Mean while we're while we are looking at this single video and saying, well, she's sick. She's you know she's uh. Uh, she passed out, obviously, because of a, of a larger medical issue. That's already been, I mean, that's in our rearview mirror. I think we need to be looking, Joe, way, way, way out in the future and, and understanding that they are too, the globalists and, and the power, the people in power are as well. And I, when I spoke with my, um, the gentleman that's in, in the government, um, I'm just, that's all I'm going to say because I asked him to please give his name. I mean, this is a pretty high up individual. Um, it, it, he said, look, the, the DNC, the, the committee, met, uh, people within the DNC are in fact meeting. There are meetings being held all over the place inside the Beltway right now. Even more so, the, uh, the Soros is engaged. The Sun is engaged in some meetings as well. Alright, what are they talking about and who are they talking to? I, I think that they're obviously making plans. But I don't think, Absent of a Sanders push-in, and he can't, from what I understand, he's why not an independent. After the election, he, he uh, registered. Yes, okay. he registered right. as independent. And according, and just two headlines that you haven't seen, I don't believe you were doing the, the YouTube's earlier right. and whatnot. There's an article on Politico. Former DNC chairwoman calls for a Clinton contingency plan, and they what are that saying mean? that. Uh, due to an extremely unlikely uh, event, Democrats might have to change the ticket. And they're saying a former uh, Democratic National Committee chairman says President Obama and the party's congressional leaders should immediately come up with a process to identify a potential successor candidate for Hillary Clinton for the off chance a health emergency forces her out of the race. Now, there is another article today. I wait, wait, zero wait, wait let me stop you right there. I, I don't, Folks, I don't believe, and Joe, let me ask you, uh, I don't believe that Hillary Clinton can possibly continue on the ticket. If she's as sick as she's as she appears, no. I mean, how can she? Um, she's had, there's some fundraisers that are happening in L.A. Uh, the creator of Family Guy, Seth MacFarlane. Uh, this guy's <laughs> a real piece of work. Thing? Yeah. All right. He, you know, he's made a statement. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, people can't choose to be sick, but people can choose to be bigots, and you know, basically defending her. He's hosting a, a fifty thousand dollar plate dinner uh, for a Hillary Clinton event tonight where she had to cancel 
but now she's going to be phoning it in. Oh, oh phoning so, it in. Yeah. The, well, that's what the Does that count says. for the 50? Uh, the, 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 the Bill Clinton's sitting, going in her place. Oh, okay. But she's also going to apparently be phoning it in. So it's the co-presidency at work here again. Exactly, and there's an article in Dredge. Uh, Bill stands in for for Hillary, and that's what they're wow. that's what the article is about about these two, you know, big money. Uh, they're not going to leave any money sitting on the table. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something, Joe. Here's what we should do. We should we should throw a fifty thousand dollar plate fundraiser for us. All we need is like two people to come. Okay, just two people, and uh, we'll be set for a year. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, I wish we had that that kind of ability. Just. Uh, uh, Whatever, yeah, I mean, three people actually, just for that little edge, for you know, extra some extra camera equipment. Um, we only need three people to come, fifty thousand, fifty k a plate. I mean, imagine. So imagine that. Off, I, I, I guess. So I mean, the reason I mentioned this is because uh, for fifty fifty grand a plate, and for her to cancel. Yeah, you would probably uh, not be too throw, happy. Throw Bill in there, and it's not just you know. Uh, you're out in Hollywood, so I'm sure you know people out there and those tight circles from the Hollywood elite to the political elite. There's going to be some pretty high up people there, um, probably some influential people that wanted to meet with her. I'm sure they'll get their chance as she uh, sticks around in the campaign. But the real question is, and we talked about this earlier, what happens if Hillary Clinton has to drop out? Oh. Where in the Constitution does it say? Well, uh, you know what? It doesn't. I'm glad you asked. Because it's the party check rules. Check YouTube right? video earlier. Well, and I didn't listen to this. Yeah, ch- check, folks, if you can. It's a 20, 25-minute video we just did right before the show. It, it explains how a candidate's death could very well delay or even mm-hmm. uh, ca- eliminate a, a presidential election. If you think Obama, if you don't, if you don't think that Obama could serve a third term, he no. can serve him more. Uh, Bill could serve two more years, right. technically under an emergency. Bill Clinton presidency. could actually come in yep. two years. Yep. Right. Um, yeah, you can extend. It's a ten-year. It's actually a ten-year limitation. Two elected and then two. It changed when um, FDR was in office, right? Um, and he changed the 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 term limits and and the voting uh, how they vote Correct. for president to eight years. But from what I understand, uh, on Zero Hedge, there's an, artic- there an article now <clears throat> that just was put up recently that says um, they, they lay out the clear case for what the RNC would do because okay. the rules and the bylaws are already there. But they say for the Democrats, it's not so clear. The Democratic National Committee reserves the right to replace a candidate who dies or drops out. It doesn't provide additional details in its bylaws, so presumably the Democrats could make up this process as they go along. <clears throat> And Zero Hedge seems to think, they say, the DNC would likely want to retain the support of major donors who've already given money to the Clinton-Kane ticket and would probably just bump Tim Kane up from the VP slot. Kane would simply uh, slide up the ticket, choose a new running mate, hope the ballots could be reprinted in time, and carry on just as Clinton had. Then he goes on to say, but of course this is 2016 and anything can happen. Well, I, I talked to, I did have dialogue with, uh, Hillsdale College and, and some other universities who have constitutional scholars, okay? And they, out of all of the dialogue, there, I mean, you talk about disparity of answers. Oh my goodness. But here's the thing. Uh, two, two people said, look at the U.S. News and World Report, the August 30th column by Stephen Nelson. And, okay, I figured if two uh, constitutional scholars said that this was the um, the, the place to go or, or the article to, to, to uh, check, 
Okay, so here is where we, we I'm going to really summarize this. The presidential election could be delayed or scrapped altogether if conspiracy theories that, you know, us, we're conspiracy theorists, right? If, uh, if there, if there's an issue, if, if a candidate dies or drops off before the date of election. Election day is November 8th. The, mm-hmm. okay, the, uh, congressional terms expire January 3rd. And the presidential terms expire January 20th. So on, on the 8th of November of 2016, we elect in the general election, we, we bring in, uh, the Senate, the House, and of course vote for uh, the Senate, the House, as well as our local and state officials, but also the office of the president. So either you have Trump or Clinton, and then you have the Congress. But here's the, here's the issue. Let's just say Hillary Clinton becomes ineligible by, for reasons of health or whatever the reason might be before November 8th. What do you do? Well, depends on when that happens okay if it happens too close to november 8th which i do believe the globalists and, and joke and jump in here but i believe that the globalists the power people in power and this includes people on both sides of the aisle want the chaos to ensue in this country they want it because they fear a trump win mm-hmm. they fear a trump victory so what they're going to do is they're going to change the rules of the game a little bit or exploit the rules maybe and uh, uh, declare the elections, if they do happen, illegitimate, the Trump victory illegitimate, or allow the Trump victory to go ahead, uh, given the fact that they can't, uh, by, by virtue of the time, can't get somebody to on the ticket before November 8th, and then, and then allow the chaos, and I believe the vitriol and chaos will, will ensue. But if you think about this, what Obama could possibly do is say, wait, 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 wait. We have a problem here. There's not enough time, so I'm going to extend the, or I'm going to ask Congress, because it's a matter of Congress, it's not a presidential edict, I'm going to ask Congress to extend the election date. That's very possible. Is it in the Constitution? Article 2 of the Constitution allows federal lawmakers to set dates for the selection of president electors and when the electors will, will vote. Mm-hmm. Another another issue very quickly here is it is very possible that the popular vote won't even count in this election. So imagine yep. that. The people's voice not counted, at least not optically or directly. Okay? Because the electors vote for the president. Not uh, for, for the, for the, that's right, the, the president. But here's the problem. If the elections are extended, you have to understand that, that the, uh, congressional terms expire January 3rd. So on January 4th, Congress, every congressperson is not a congressperson anymore. And on the 21st of January, the president is not a president anymore. In this case, never was, but that's beside the point. Direct, I would like to direct everyone's attention to, uh, Yale Law School professor Akil Reed Amar. This guy's pretty is a smart cookie. He wrote an article in the Arkansas Law Review back in 1994, which addressed this very issue. Okay, about the presidential election being pushed to after January 20th. But here's the problem. Are you just going to push the presidential elections or are you going to push, push the congressional elections with that? So the entire election after January 20th. And if that's the case, remember what I said. The, the Congress critters, their term expires on uh, January 4th. So why would you do that? You really wouldn't necessarily, according to this Amar. 
it, it seems far-fetched, but it can be done. It's a possibility, so we have to keep that on the table. But the bottom line here, I believe, is while everyone looks at the, oh, this is a lie and stuff, we know it's a lie, but I think the larger here picture is uh, is they are really pushing for uh, a way to delegitimize Donald Trump as the nominee. And the perfect way to do it is to say, you know what, think 2000 on steroids. Think Bush, uh, Gore on steroids. Think- and regardless of her health, they're going to continue yes. to... To paint Trump as a bad guy, to you know, uh, to continue the the games and tricks that they've been using against them, including you know all the support from the mainstream media. And something we didn't get a chance to really cover last week was the presidents had that uh, forum where they were asked questions by Matt Lauer, and Matt Lauer took a beating by uh, you know Democrats and other Lauer. other uh, people in the media for not fact checking Trump, and there there was just you know all this. Uh, uh, hype about how poorly Matt Lauer did by not destroying Trump when he had the chance. But, you know, my question is, moving forward with Hillary Clinton, um, we have the debates coming up. One, de- The first debate's upcoming in two weeks. Uh, each debate is 90 minutes, and, you know, that's going to tell a lot. Uh, she's canceled her events for the rest of the week or for at least... Uh, she has stand-ins and, and, like, her daughter, her husband... And the vice presidential candidate, I'm sure Joe Biden and or the, the current president will continue to step up in her place. But what we're seeing here is um, there's something, you know, just going on that they already have. I believe they already have the contingency plan. They have the backup plans. They know exactly what they're going to do in case of A, B, or C. And they're not going to stop with their campaign against Trump. And that's just going to continue. And I think he he did a good job, at least when he was asked about her health, you know, uh, saying, you know, I hope she feels better. Oh, yeah. He he said a few sentences that were, um, it was professional. You know, it wasn't what you'd what you'd think. The first things that would probably go through your mind, but um, there's still a lot of questions out there. And as much as the media wants to continue to try to cover it up or uh, downplay it, uh, as they're doing right now, uh, even former politicians, our former governor here in Pennsylvania, Ed Randell, has come out and said, "Oh, by the debates." She'll cast aside all doubt by a strong performance, and you know people won't even remember what happened. No, if you uh, remember a Rendell governorship, yeah, <laughs> you, you'll that works. But right. um, we're going to talk about this more on the other side. We're talking about the presidential elections, the incident that happened with Hillary Clinton, her health uh, on September 11th at the 9/11 15 year anniversary event, and after this next segment, Coach Dave from PTSalt.com will be our guest. He's going to be joining us from 8 to 10. We're going to cover a wide range of topics and hit on some important issues. We'll be right back after these short messages. Stay with us. the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hagman and Hagman Report. Folks, two websites, hagmanandhagman.com for show information, hagmanreport.com. Joe's on fire. He's, he's posting some stuff. He's out of control. Stop the man. Uh, hagmanreport.com. That's the place to go for all of your news information and analysis, hagmanreport.com. And don't forget, folks, we have uh, 
we have uh we've got a facebook page <laughs> go figure right and, and twitter uh, social networking uh, while we can while we still can we have to spread the word through any means possible even if that means using the global's own technology to to get the word out that's right to exploit the enemy's weakness or even use their roads shall we say their tools their their armaments and we're not above doing so obviously any way that we can get the word out and that's the way to go so hagman and hagman.com two ends on hagman that's our show information and hagmanreport.com of course for uh, news information analysis and social web uh, networking and folks please if you're watching this live on youtube and we have youtube live if you're watching that um go ahead and subscribe uh, see, I don't know, you might win a free something, right? No, no, just go ahead and subscribe. It does help us. It does elevate our visibility. We appreciate that. Let me ask you something. What are you doing for the holidays? Or even, well, are, are you are you planning to have a family get together and washing a lot of dishes and, you know, engaging in the chaos? And how many how many people do you know take their holiday photos on a warm, sandy beach? Let me ask you that. Not too many, I, I would imagine. I found a company, an amazing getaway, that makes taking vacations affordable. What, what a great, what, what a great company! This is an amazing getaway at an even more amazing price. Price, the Pineapple Beach Club in Antigua. Now, I'm not a really great traveler. I don't travel much, but this I couldn't, I just can't pass up. Right now, for just ninety nine dollars per person per night, you can enjoy. Uh, and adults only. Now, by adults only, we're talking 16 years and above, okay? Um, no children, it's 16 years and above. And adults only inclusive holiday getaway on a white sandy beach. Folks, you can go to pineapplebeachclub.com. Pineapplebeachclub.com. Or call 800-772-8711. Make your reservations today. Let me tell you a little bit more about the resort and the island because I didn't know. I did not know. It, the getaway is all inclusive, which means your meals, your snacks, your beverages. Yes, even alcohol if you want to drink a glass of wine for, with dinner. Resort activities and all taxes and all service charges are included in that price. $99 per person. Think about that. Meals, snacks, beverages. Resort activities, all taxes, one, and all service charges. So where are we signing up? Well, (laughs) hey, this gets better. Hold on. There are five restaurants on, uh, there are five restaurants that you can, you can tap into, as well as the tranquility spa, two freshwater pools, windsurfing, snorkeling, kayaking, sailing, and so much more. And here's the kicker. My stepson planned a destination wedding. They can do that too. And I was really, uh, I was thinking, really, you got to plan a destination wedding? Yes, because it's even less expensive this way. Folks, they've got 365 beaches in Antigua, one for every day of the year. It's located, if, you have, if you're geographically challenged, it's located in the Caribbean, the largest English-speaking leeward island known for their magnificent weather. Oh, pristine white sand beaches and colorful cultural festivals. Never let them call you not multicultural. If you're sick and tired of the headlines, sick and tired of the news, you got a hundred bucks a day per person. Seriously, this is my choice. 
when you're ready to leave the chaos behind this year and get some well-deserved R&R, don't wait. Folks, this offer expires soon. Go to pineapplebeachclub.com or call 800-772-8711 to book your all-inclusive holiday. For less than $100 per night per person, again, 16 and up, you can enjoy everything I just mentioned and more. That's pineapplebeachclub.com. You don't want to miss out on this offer. you got to go see the website for complete details. Again, pineapplebeachclub.com. And tell them Doug and Joe sent you. Oh, and join us on the beach. Seriously. What a great, what a great idea, right? All right. Thanks. You know, th- thank you everybody for tuning in to us and, th- and thanks for, thanks for your support for, uh, for us and thanks for your prayers and concern. You know, Joe, I, I, you were, you weren't in the office yet and I, I was trying to, uh, uh, at two o'clock I was going to do the, do the video. I did it, ended up doing it at six and, you talk about the nicest audience. We have, we've got the nicest audience, the most patient audience. It didn't go, uh, at 1.59 and 59 seconds, everything went black. All the screens went black, black. And I was like, you know, what do I do? So I called Eric and said, man, we have a problem. He said, oh, I'm coming in to fix whatever it might be. And I didn't push any buttons, guys and, and ladies. I did not push any buttons. And yeah. Eric just said, yeah, not the right ones, Doug. So thanks for waiting until six, and and I and I hope that video it's that that I did. Uh, I hope that uh, offers you some information. But let's let's continue on with this because this is the biggest, potentially the biggest story of the year, but not not in the way that people are spinning it. I, I think that Joe, I, I really think, and, and folks, I think that what we're seeing here is we're being gamed. Um, this was long in the planning. One way or the other, yeah. But but they're going to exploit this to create. To, to cast a pall on the legitimacy of the of the of a Trump election or a Trump win, I should say, and from there you're going to see a divisive divisive maneuvers or maneuvers to, uh, uh, specifically designed to divide the country and to like create you only won the election because you're because she was sick or or something in that fact or or you you won on a loophole again think 2000 on steroids you know um, in, in that fashion. So that's yeah. my view, anyway. And for people who are joining us late or maybe hadn't seen the news from yesterday, as, again, yesterday was the 15th anniversary for September 11th, there yes. were, um, the president actually, sorry, for that. <laughs> the president made an announcement uh, before football games started yesterday. Yesterday was the, aside from the Thursday night game, the first week of the NFL. Right. And... uh the president gave an announcement about 9-11 and whatnot, but Hillary Clinton, during a 9-11 memorial event, and folks, if you haven't seen the video, you should go watch the video. It's pretty telling. Uh, left the event early, was standing by the side of the road with Secret Service detail all around her. She was leaned up against this, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, maybe four-foot-tall cement post, three-and-a-half-foot-tall cement post, and <clears throat> her hands were behind her back, and... Secret Service agents, doctors, whatever they were, grabbed her by her arms, and it looks like she stumbled off the curb. If you look at her feet, they look like they're dragging, and she was put into this van, uh, either fainted, uh, passed out, whatever it was. She seemed to have lost consciousness. And for whatever reason, there were, she wasn't taken to a hospital. She was taken to Hillary or her daughter, Chelsea Clinton's apartment in New York City. And appeared 90 minutes later, or that's what is being reported, um, coming out of the apartment saying that she was fine and uh, playing with a kid 
before being taken away. And we, and we've received all the emails Rush about the doppelgangers and such, okay? That wasn't her, you know. They, they mirrored the video. There's, you know, an angle on it. You know, it's a mirrored image. Right. People are saying that it's two separate videos, that it's a staged event, the video's fake. For every, from everything I can tell that I see, it is just mirrored. It's not... Um, a right, fake video. Right. It's not a hoax video. It's n- it's not even another you know, view from another angle. I saw the stuff about the body doubles. Yeah, I was telling Eric uh, earlier that Saddam Hussein had four known body doubles. Exactly. No, uh, and, and you can gu- I can guarantee you, uh, any any one of political importance has a body double. Yeah, but I don't think there's a body double that can really stand. In the place of of another person, talk like that other person. Oh, you'd but, be surprised. You know, Tina Fey comes to mind, and, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> like I said, I don't know for sure. But that aside, um, again, what I said in the first segment, what, one of the big things I think that needs to be focused on here, regardless of her health, is her uh, deception to there the is. press, yep. the the trust of the American voters. When she continue, continues to sit there and pound the fact that if you know people who are talking about her health records or if she has a health issue are are conspiracy theorists, while people on MSNBC like Rachel Maddow already have said that she's going to be the healthiest president in the history of the world, you know, um, you know, isn't that insulting to you guys? That's I mean, what I mean. Even supporters of Hillary Clinton, who I'm sure aren't watching this show, but um, it should be troubling to them. That should be it's telling. Insulting. She would get much more sympathy and support if she were, on Friday, we'll say, to announce that she had pneumonia and then had this incident happen on Sunday. But it was backwards. She had this incident on Sunday. It was caught on camera. So they had to to announce something was going on. And I think that they decided to say she had pneumonia. First it was, you know, dehydration. uh, Then it was overheating. Then, you know, it progressed to... um, this pneumonia, and only after she fell or passed out in public was it said that she was it admitted that that's actually something that she had. As and, a, and Ted Brewer, by the way, did, did uh, on Friday talked about her pneumonia as being a consequence of the neurological condition that she seems to have. So she very well could have pneumonia, but not typically not not the kind of pneumonia you would think you know uh, viral pneumonia, but one that was caused by aspirating fluid or even spittle. Uh, in her lungs, right? But through uh, through swallowing, you know, or breathing her unable because wouldn't she have a lot more swallow? Swallow? Like her coughs are kind of dry coughs, right? Um, I haven't heard her really, you know, cough where it sounds like there's mucus in her lungs. And yeah, I don't know. It sounds like more of a dry cough. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't but I don't, you know, well, we're not doctors, I guess. So, so. Well, t- well, Ted was talking about that and on his program and on this show. He was talking about the uh, it, the cough is not from a lung. Um, Issue. It's more of a swallowing issue. But the pneumonia. If she had pneumonia, that's wouldn't it be cold, a, yes. Not it wouldn't be a dry cough, would it? Well, I, I, I don't. You know, because it's a lung disease and an infection. It, well, it's respiratory a, illness. Yeah, I, I don't know. But 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 either way, the, the the Clinton campaign, along with Hillary Clinton, has been lying. The media's been helping her yep. cover it up. And um, Drudge even had a headline today. You know, Drudge vindicated. Um, <laughs> I think we are too, to, to, to an extent. Um, well, see, all we have been doing is reporting the findings as we see them. 
what the Hillary Clinton and, and the entourage of media that's protecting her, they've been the ones at a disadvantage trying to cover up something that's halfway in plain sight for people who are paying attention, right. marginalizing those people for, for calling it like they see it, even firing Dr. Drew from, from his TV show for saying he thinks that yeah, there is more to yeah. it than, than what Clinton was leading on. But, you and, know, Joe, I, I want to say this, too. In addition to all of that, we found that uh, the that video yesterday, man, YouTube and various websites were doing their best to, to censor that video. And even to, to a lesser extent today, but still, they were they were knocking off that video off Facebook and off the social networking as well as websites. Did you have you did, were you following that at all? I didn't see the attempted censorship. I thought oh, yeah. the cat was out of the bag, and they just had to let it go. I think people just kind of threw up their hands about, I'm going to say about 10 o'clock, uh, 11, 11 o'clock Eastern time this morning. They just said, okay, you know, let it go. And and But they're going to exploit the, the power. The powers are going to exploit this um, to such an extent where they're I'm just pushing this. Uh, they're, they're going to say, well, you know what, uh, Trump won. Because, because the rules, you know, we we couldn't we couldn't get a successor or some a replacement for for Clinton. <laughs> I don't see the or regardless Democratic Party uh, letting a little thing like rules get in the way of what they really want to accomplish. But they can blame it on that. Yes, they so can. So they could say, okay, we're not going to win by the rules, so we can we can exploit the situation with Hillary Clinton. See, I believe that they so knew the, about her illness, but, but but illness, but I think they they figured they had might have had a little bit more time. What bothers me is um, that's speculation on my part. Well, a lot of, I mean, obviously she has something wrong with her health. That's not speculation anymore, nor was it, you know, in the weeks before. Uh, but now, as I said, it's out there for everybody to see. All the major newspapers, even local news around here, is reporting on it. So it's getting a lot of traction. Um, but the big thing is the lying to her, her, her own supporters and to the Democratic Party. Where do they go from here? Do they continue to medicate or prop her up and somehow Bernie squeak, <laughs> exactly somehow squeak it out till the election time, and then there's a whole other set of options. Uh, you know, something ha- did happen to her after that point. The vice president would step in and whatnot. But um, what are they going to do from here? And this leads me to another question: We've seen so much deception with Hillary Clinton with the Democratic Party. Um, even with the release of the WikiLeaks info from Benghazi to the email scandals to everything in between, what's to say that you know this is going to be any different, or this is any different? What we're seeing right now, who knows if if this whole thing isn't being orchestrated to cover up something else or to to keep away from something else? If you notice, as Hillary Clinton's health problems and the reports of her health problems increase, the uh, accountability of the email scandal has yeah. Would this be like a Monica missile? I mean, if you think about it, the so much has come out since James Comey, the FBI, released his uh, opinion of Hillary Clinton's actions as Secretary of State pertaining to the email, saying it was gross negligence and there was no intent, so we can't charge her, which it doesn't say anything about that in the law. It even says in the law gross negligence um, is you know, what, the, the, what you need to, to commit the crime. I mean, you don't have to have intent. But as these health problems continue and the reporting of it and the focus of it continue to be on the health problems, you see less and less about Benghazi, less and less about her committing perjury, less and less about her having to explain what happened to the email servers. Now it's, oh, I forgot. I was, you know, uh, still going through problems from my blood clot. I can't remember. And 
on and on and on until now they're swept under the rug. They're not even being talked about anymore. And those are criminal uh, charges, criminal actions that could legally have her withdraw from the race because of legal problems. But no, now it's this whole speculation about health issues. And unless she's, you know, doing a, a great acting job, I think she's in trouble there too. But uh, the health problems should not take away from the criminal investigation. Well, it's building. It's like building an insan- insanity defense. You know, she's building a, a, a medical impairment defense to, to the issues you mentioned. But I do believe that, uh, regardless, I mean, I mean, who would indict her? Do we have a, a, a attorney general that would indict her? Of course not. Um, do we have any infrastructure? Where do you go? See, see th- th- this is the problem. Where do you go when? There's no place to go. You know, you, you, who do you take your car? Imagine that. Um, you're wronged in your county and the police won't answer your, your, your calls. The district attorney will not investigate your calls. Now, now here in Pennsylvania, the counties, we have a, uh, 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 there, there is such a thing as a private criminal complaint where if you call the police, because let's say your neighbor, comes over and does something or you're wronged criminally in some fashion but the police for whatever reason will take your complaint and most states have this but in Pennsylvania it's called a private criminal complaint where you can go to your district attorney's office and say you know a crime was committed against me the police for whatever reason wouldn't take the call or wouldn't file a report or investigate so I'd like to file a private criminal complaint and then you, they'll give you a form. You fill it out. Basically, it just tells you, you know, you just say what happened. The district attorney will look at it, see if any laws were broken, and then file it on your behalf, not acting as your attorney, but or not acting as just acting as a mechanism of the law. And most states have something like this. But so think about this in the larger sense. When you have, when we the people have a complaint. And it's criminal in nature, as Joe said, whether it's Benghazi or, or you know, it's obviously that, that, that she is, uh, it's obvious that, that she is uh, engaged in criminal activity as, as well as Obama and such. When that mechanism is taken away from you, where do you go? And I, I submit, Joe, that you go, you go to the streets. I mean, I, I believe that this is what they are expecting. So when applied this same thing to the, to the elections, when the people are when we're wronged, or when the the, the entirety of, the, of the, the collective is wrong in America, uh, wronged in America. Where do you go for that? Where do these people go? Especially with the vitriol of the Sanders supporters. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be it's gonna be a, a big a big deal, uh, I believe, and I believe that this is their end game workout. And you can check the video out that I did earlier for the specifics with respect to Article Twenty or Article Two of the Constitution. Uh, and the deadlines and what have you. Joe, if I can just bump in here, given the fact that uh, yesterday was 15 years subsequent to 9-11, and I don't know, it, I, I sat down yesterday morning. It was about 5.30, and and I just come come to the office. I, I brought the dog in, and it was an amazing day. It started out, you know, the, the crispness in the air, and it felt like it, it felt a little bit like, 9-11-2001 it had that same feel to it but I wanted to write a column JD I, I, I asked JD uh, who was at Ground Zero on 9-11-2001 I, I said can you he's got all sorts of pictures and I mean he was right there I mean debris was raining on his head 
Mm-hmm. And I said, can you send a couple of pictures? And Folks, I couldn't do it. I could not write anything. I don't know why. I couldn't write anything. Well, let me give you, let me give you some figures because of the, because we forget. People forget. 9-11-2001, the total number of people killed on that day in New York City only at the Twin Towers and at and near the Twin Towers, 2,753 people. The number of firefighters and paramedics who were killed were 343. Police officers, NYPD officers, that is 23. The number of Port Authority officers, 37. The number of World Trade Center companies in the towers that lost people, 128. The number of employees who died in the towers, or in Tower 1, just in Tower 1. These are people that went to work that morning and didn't make it home that night. Not police officers. 1,402. Those in Tower 2, 614. The number of employees lost at Cantor Fitzgerald, you remember that, the well, you should remember that for a number of reasons. 614. Or, I'm sorry, 658. Now, the number of U.S. troops killed in Operation Enduring Freedom, 2,343. The number of nations whose citizens were killed in attacks, 115. This is, this is as of, uh, uh, two years ago. But think about that. Think about those numbers. Jobs lost in New York owing to the attacks. 146,100 jobs were lost. The New York Stock Exchange was closed for six days. And, of course, there were 1.8 million tons of debris removed from ground zero. And, of course, where was it removed to? Yeah. Mayor Rudy Giuliani in 2001 attended 200 funerals. Imagine that. That's a busy year. Mm-hmm. The cost of the cleanup, which was estimated $600 million. I'm going to just stop right there. I just, I, just would, would, I just would urge everyone to remember 9-11, remember the victims of 9-11. And we know it didn't happen the way they said it happened. We know that. doesn't mean people didn't die. And we know that the response, the, the creation of uh, Department of Homeland Security and, and the Machiavellian-type response because of 9-11, of course. And the not branches right. FEMA, TSA. Yeah. And... yeah, not right. But I would just urge everyone, if, if you were not old enough to remember 9-11, please understand what happened. And even if you were old enough to to know what happened, but fell for the official story please expand your your horizons and, and, and let's get to the you know let, let's know that that we were not told this the, the real story about 9-11 nor bin laden nor the benghazi attacks 9-11 what 12 years out or 11 years out a lot of the information is still going to be classified to 2030 yeah. and beyond uh, interestingly enough, and uh, Obama is is going to veto any is suing of Saudi Arabia. Did you see that? 
The House of Representatives passed a law allowing victims of 9-11 families to sue Saudi Arabia and other Gulf states or states uh, that can be provenly tied to 9-11. And he hasn't done it yet, but if he does, this will be the first bill he ever vetoes, I believe. Uh, Regardless of that, yes, if... He says if the bill gets to him, or his his press corps saying if the bill gets to him, he will veto it. That's right. Which is uh, removing the ability of victims' family members in 9-11. And so many people have been sick. Uh, you know, we've had people on our show who were first responders who talked about the illnesses that uh, they were uh, sickened by after the fact. And so many first responders on that day were... Uh, so what's it called? They they they, they got sick from the asbestos and from all the different uh, things that were in the building that that can can do that to you. Yeah, a lot of respiratory illnesses, and it's very sad. And a substantial amount there was uh, money awarded, uh, you know, the nine eleven victims' family funds uh, and first responder funds for illnesses and whatnot. A lot of the first responders did get uh, a large sum of money who joined in in lawsuits. Um, but still, you know, there's still people out there who are struggling and, and sick and dying from what happened on 9-11 and from their heroic actions of trying to save people. Yeah. But yeah. for Obama to veto this bill, hey, it would protect just be another slap in the face to the American people and exactly that. It would show that there is much more here uh, than meets the eye. And not only that, but our president of the United States is going to protect the royal Saudi family over the interests of the American people and the cops and firefighters who were there that day trying to save lives. That and is truly Joe, sickening. Don't fall, and folks, don't fall for the, the, the thing, well, you know, if, if we allow this, then they can, they can file suit against us in, in drone and killings. Yeah, and, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. We're going to be right back after these short messages with Coach Dave from PTSalt.com. Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer. America's coach. Next. Man. America's coach. I love him. Coming to you live from our radio and television studios in beautiful Northwest Pennsylvania. What do you think, folks? What do you think? Huh? Well, see, if you're listening to this and can't see it, oh, you're missing it. We're, we're all uh, blinged out here. What? Well, that's the wrong term, I guess. We, yeah. we got the we got the caps. We got the caps. What do you think? Did we look good in them? Do I look good? Should I wear a cap from now on? Why Folks, uh, yeah, well, Joe, you wear baseball caps. I, I don't normally wear baseball caps, but how does it look with the uh, suit? What do you think? Huh? Looks good. Our, our guest tonight, and talking about current events and other issues, a, a number of other issues, important issues, topical issues, is Coach Dave Dobmeyer, somebody I like to call America's coach. He's a guy I would go into battle with. I would go into the game with. Put me in cold, Coach. I'm ready to play. That's right. I'm ready to play. And see, America, aren't Americans, Joe, aren't we looking for a leader? 
Isn't that what Trump is about? We're looking for a strong leader, but but you know what? <laughs> See, people are looking for a political leader as opposed to a a strong uh, spiritual leader. You know, somebody who knows, or for example, who knows what's important in life. Who knows about um, really conservative causes and spiritual causes? And, because as Steve Quell says, there are no political solutions to spiritual problems. You can't have that. We have to fix our own house before we can fix mm-hmm. others, and 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 so I'm we're really it's more than just morality. It's the spiritual aspect yeah. uh, of morality, and um, we see that that is being bankrupt in our nation, and it's going at a breakneck speed, and, and right. continues to do so. And and you know what, Co- Coach Dave Dobmeyer has got a great uh, interactive uh, uh, show in the morning. It's a it's uh, I say show. It's not really that. It's a meeting. It's an interactive live huddle Monday through Friday at 7 o'clock in the morning every Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. You go to ptsalt.com, and you can see, in fact, it's playing right now, um, the introduction to that. But, uh, Coach, Coach, are you there? Doug and Joe, man, it's always, it's always good to be with you guys. I'm just kind of sitting here to think like uh, listening to you guys is like pulling up a chair to outside at a picnic table and just listen to some guys ramble on and I wanted to I wanted to push my buzzer about four different times and comment on things that you were talking about and just want to That's salute cool. you guys that you have such a great feel on really what's going on That's so cool. many don't die, Doug so many people don't and I'm not claiming that I do but uh, you know I had a great conversation today out of the blue I heard from uh, Pastor David Lankford he and I communicate but not, not regularly I don't speak to him off on the phone and he, he called, and uh, we had about a 10-minute conversation, Doug, and I swear he and I have been sharing a bedroom. I mean, it was like un- unbelievable the things that that uh, Pastor David shared with me. That, you know, I'm, I'm banging my set up, self upside the head. I thought, my goodness, I thought I was the only one only one thinking this way. And, you know, uh, we live in... We live in <laughs> Amazing, amazing times, brother. And I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged. Is it okay to say that when uh, you know everybody gets accused of fear porn and everything going on? I'm like a football coach chomping at the bit to get into the big game. You know, we've been practicing for the big game all summer. We went through two-a-day practice and weightlifting and preseason running. And, man, now we've made it through a few days of practice. And we're just, man, we're just a couple days away from the big game. And I've got got that anticipation inside of me. And I'm excited, brother. And I think think, uh, something is about to break. And I don't know if it's going to be good or not, Doug, Joe. I mean, at least in the natural, I don't think it's going to be good. But I think ultimately it's going to be really, really good. And I'm just excited to be part of the team that I think the Lord's putting together. Well, Coach, we know how the game ends. But there's a we lot do. of uh, l- l- uh, quite a few plays and, and some time left in the quarter before we get to the end. So, you know, we have to play our positions, and we have to uh, play them well. And, you know, as you often say, sometimes all it takes is just to show up. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, we can we can win on the numbers. But, you know, you said you wanted to comment or you felt like, you know, pressing the buzzer um, on what we were talking about the first hour. I think it's so topical here. Uh, feel free to, like, chime in on what you were thinking if you, you know, if you feel it's so relevant, what what, uh, what are your thoughts about the about well, what's really going uh, on? You know, again, listen for everybody out there that's listening to me. I'm just a I'm a guy out here in the cornfields outside of Columbus, Ohio. I mean, literally, that's that's where I live. I'm not hiding from anybody. 
I'm not seeking any attention. I'm not trying to be a prophet or a son of a prophet. But I, like I tell folks, I can, I can read and I can think and and uh, I can look at what's going on and things just jump out at me. That just the devil's showing his hand to us, Joe. Doug, it's showing his hand. And uh, all of this, uh, all this training, and all the nights of listening to Hagman and Hagman. By the way, last week listening to Paul McGuire is really good, and Ted Brewer on Oh my goodness, you guys, those guys are really, really slicing and dicing and cutting it open. And I, I thank you for uh, for having them on and exposing so much of us to the truth. But uh, I've been saying for uh, well, really, it's been really impressed on my heart for over a little over a year, Joe. Doug, we're seeing uh, without question. Hillary Clinton is being de- demonically protected, demonically protected. And uh, the stuff that she's doing, the stuff she's getting away with, you know, anybody that has any spiritual discernment, they sit back and, and, and look at her and see what she does. I mean, I, I don't know anybody. I don't know how anybody could support her. I mean, I don't care who you are, how anybody could support such probably the greatest political miscreant, certainly in our lifetime, the stuff that she has done in office, if your local mayor or your local sheriff did anything even remotely resembling to that, the community would be up in an uproar. Yet this is this is major thing after major thing after major thing, and there seems to be absolutely no response to it. In fact, I'm sure you guys were saying at the top of the top of the show, nobody, is there somebody that can do something? Ain't about time somebody done something? And that tells me, Doug, that uh, there's a reason why something isn't being done. And uh, I like to look at it from a spiritual standpoint. If I could just just go for a little walk here, uh, sure. here's, a, here's a way that I see it. And again, uh, folks can kind of catch some of this stuff on on our morning show, which is archived uh, there all day. It's all free. Everything they can go at CoachDaveLive.com. It's all there. I've been trying to help people understand that so much of what's happening around us is happening. <clears throat> excuse me. First and foremost in the spiritual realm. That's what I love about your show, the variety of guests that you have on, the different perspectives that they bring. And I would credit uh, the Hagman and Hagman Report for going a long way to opening my eyes to many things that are happening. But we've become convinced so much in Christianity today, Doug, that I really believe that the average Christian, their faith goes no farther than either the altar of the church or the front door of the church. Other than that, they see no spiritual significance to what's going on around them other than that. We've done such a horrible job, our churches have done such a horrible job of personalizing the devil. And by that I mean uh, for the average Christian, I'm talking about Christians now, the person that's not a Christian, a saved person, they don't, they think you're crazy when you're talking about this. But for the average Christian, church-going Christian, person who claims to know Jesus Christ. The devil really is nothing more than just a mean old guy who piddles sometimes in their finances. He piddles a little bit with their health. He messes around, causes roadblocks with their children, and maybe gives you problems on the job. And we have so taken the this great force of darkness um, called the devil and we've reduced him down almost to just a mosquito, to be honest with you. We know that the scriptures tell us in, in Matthew, I'm sorry, in uh, Genesis 6, <laughs> excuse me, that he was enmity, the Lord himself said he put enmity between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. 
That would be an eternal struggle and eternal battle that would take place between those two entities, between right and wrong, truth and a lie, the devil, and whatever you want to. Set up an enmity between not only you and the, the, the serpent and the seed and the woman, seed of the woman, but between his kids and your kids. Now, Doug, Joe, who tells us the devil has kids? The devil has kids. The devil has a team. Mm-hmm. And I'm promising you, Lucifer, Satan, Beelzebub, whatever name you want to call him, he ain't sitting around trying to mess up my life. Now, I open portals. I give him opportunity to influence me. But I'm telling you, he's got far bigger fish to fry than just messing with little old me. I don't know saying there aren't spiritual attacks that come. That's not what I'm saying. But what we are seeing happening right now, I really, really believe, is this whole idea of the, hey, Doug, I used to be one of those guys who laughed at the New World Order and the Bilderbergers and the Illuminati. I used to laugh at, you know, conspiracy theorists, tinfoil hat. I used to laugh at all that until I just began to study a little bit and begin to connect the dots and begin to look around and say, my goodness, there is something seriously amiss. And I realized, I think it was about, uh, oh, six or seven years ago, came to the realization that if God is all-powerful, magnificent, all-good, oh, my goodness, the goodness of God, we can't even understand. Well, Newton said, for every action is an equal and opposite reaction, and I'm not comparing the devil to, to God, to Almighty God. We know how that battle comes out, as you mentioned earlier. But if, there, if good is so deep and so pure and so so far-reaching, Doug, it, Joe, it just goes to reason that evil must be the same way. And, and we have short-changed evil in that we don't understand. We don't understand that the devil, that spiritual entity, call him whatever you will, whether it be you want to call it Nephilim, fallen angels, whatever. You can study all that stuff out. As I've, I've been beginning to do, as a lot, of, a lot of your listeners have, and come to the realization there's a war going on around us that is impacting the world in which we live. Now, I asked somebody the other day on my show, Ephesians 6 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the evil spirits in high places, and I stopped him right there. So what does that mean? What was, what, was Paul just, he just droning on? He said, evil spirits in high places. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What's that? What is he talking about? See, Paul is talking about another realm, a realm outside this earth suit in which we live. We know from reading the scriptures that the only way you can enter into this earth is if you're a, 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 soul, a spirit with a soul, the only way you can get in is through a body. Jesus had to be born in here. He couldn't just appear here. He came through a woman, just like we did. And we were all born before he formed us in the womb. He knew us, and we were all pointed to death. And that there is this realm outside where we are living. Right now, I'm here and outside... I'm in my underground bunker in Columbus, Ohio, and you're in your bunker up there in Pennsylvania. There's a world around us, an invisible world that we can't even see. And I'm telling you, brother, brothers, that those evil spirits are so manifesting themselves today. 
And the trouble is, those of us in the church, those of us who are raised up, we're the seed of the woman. We've been raised up to contend with this seed of the serpent. And Doug and Joe, we don't even we don't even know there's a battle going on. We think Obama's dumb. So how can he be that stupid? How can Obama can't he see what's going on? I just I just want to smack myself in the head. They look at Hillary. So, oh my goodness. How how can she be so stupid, brother? She ain't stupid. She ain't stupid. She's of right. her father, the devil, and the works of her father she will do. So I think we're coming down to I think we're coming down to the two-minute warning here, and by that I don't mean necessarily maybe the end of the age, because I don't know if we, I don't even know what that's going to look like. But I'm no doubt in my mind, brothers, Western civilization as we know it hangs in the balance in the next uh, in the next short period of my life. I, I, I really, really believe that. And, and until the church Christians wake up, until our churches begin to preach that truism to the people in the pew. Uh, we're not going. We're not going to be able to advance the kingdom of God. And I think, again, I thank God for. Oh, I thank God for Doug Hagman and Joe Hagman and Steve Quayle and Russ Dizdar and David Langford and John Kyle and I'm uh, Paul McGuire. I'm going to. I'm going to leave out names. I, I, not on purpose. But how each and every one of those guys, Josh Tolley, each one of those guys have built into my life just through the revelation that the Holy Spirit has revealed to them. Brother, and I'm so excited to be on this team and can't see what the, when the kickoff is and, and how this whole thing's going to unwind. Well, there sure is uh, an increase in evil in this nation from what we see coming down, being passed as laws to the morality of the the people of this nation you know the the whole transgender the 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 gender identity crisis that has been created um in in this day and age and all these things are happening for a reason in this time that we are living i mean in the here and now for a specific reason and as you said coach you know a lot of people will attribute things that obama does or that clinton does or any most politicians as to being naive or stupid but these people know exactly what they're doing. They have contingency plans for their contingency plans. And we can't overlook evil. The scriptures say um, it, that not to you know just disregard all evil, but we have to be aware of the devil's devices. And we have well, to be aware. Well, the book of uh, Jude, who, by the way, Jude was the half-brother of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knew him pretty well. Jude tells us that we are to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints for evil men have crept in unawares and they've they've muddied up the gospel and it's ha- even though Jude, Jude was written I don't know how many thousands of years ago Jude, when Jude was written it applies today we can see all of this stuff playing out today and I I try to encourage those who I communicate with uh, Joe and Doug to understand that the Bible even though we like to call it the story of David and Goliath or the story of Samson and Delilah or the story of Daniel and the lion's den or the story of Moses parting the Red Sea. We call them Bible stories. These are truisms. These events really happened. 
But the purpose of those stories in the Bible, those historical accounts in the Bible, are to give it to us as a lesson so we can understand how we need to apply those same principles in the time in which we live. Listen, I am not, I am, I'm, even though my name's David, I have never taken on Goliath, but I have applied David's principles to the Goliath I come up against in my life. Do you guys understand what I'm saying to you? And we, oh, we yeah. think about Samson and Delilah and that whole story, and even though nobody's really come and cut my hair and made me weak as a result of it, I can see how there have been aspects, periods of time in my life where that same principle of giving up something I shouldn't have given up cost me in the long run. And when we read the Bible, we do not read and teach the Bible to our children as spiritual truisms. This is what happened. Look at the part of the, of the Red Sea being parted. God showed up. He doesn't leave his people uh, un, uh, unprotected. He took his people through. He didn't take his people out. And that principle, rather than teaching it to our children as a story, we have to teach it as a principle of life in this spiritual realm in which we live. I had a conversation with a young guy the other day. He's about 26 years old. In fact, we were going down to Louisiana to the, uh, do some work down with the flood victims, so we had a lot of time in the, in the van together. He only confessed to me, Doug, Joe. He said, I hate to tell you, Coach. He says, you know, veggie tales ruin my faith. I said, what? Veggie tales. Yeah, okay. Veggie tales. So what do you mean veggie tales ruined my faith, your faith? He said, well, it made it make-believe. It just made it make-believe. And he said, even today, now, now I'm a grown man and i got a wife and a kid, when I think of Noah, I think of a tomato. I said, I, he said, I can't get that stuff out of my head. And what it did, what veggie tales did to me, is it... it it, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It made the truth of the Bible a fable, a fairy tale, a cartoon. And even though it's good to read those principles into our children, I'm not sure, Joe, Doug, we're doing a great job of teaching them how that spiritual truism in that Bible historical story you just heard, how that applies even today in 2016. I think we really missed it. You mentioned it earlier. You know, we know who wins in the end, and that's part of the problem. Because we think we know who wins in the end, and we do know who wins. We think we're not required to do anything. And uh, the time's going to come, brother, but I think that when the game's over, uh, nothing worse, brother, to be sitting on that football field or standing yeah. on it. Looking at that scoreboard and the clocks run out, and you say, "Daggone! If only I had done this." And that—that's—I think that's probably the thing that uh, that torments torments me more than anything in my entire Christian walk that I missed an opportunity to make a play and didn't know it. Interesting, and and yeah, I, I, well, you know, I go back to your website, uh, ptsalt.com, folks. Bookmark that website, Coach Dave Dobmar is our guest, but. You, you write not an organization, but an organism dedicated to restoring righteousness to America. You know, part of that righteousness that we're talking about, or that you, that you're referencing, part of the, in CoachDaveLive.com, folks, CoachDaveLive.com, part of this righteousness is a strong foundation, a strong spiritual foundation. And, and so many people today don't have that. 
uh, or have abandoned that in favor of a carnal lifestyle or or even as a matter i suppose coach of uh misprioritizing things in their lives and i'm guilty of that to a large extent too where you know uh my priorities sometimes get a little bit askew and but, but i think you know i i think men in america uh for any number of reasons or excuses i guess they're same things excuses uh, push aside the spiritual in in favor of the of the the practical and physical, but but we can't do that. So you're you're right. And, and then as you mentioned before about the the stories in the Bible, oh they're just you know that they're just tales, they're just myths. No. Yeah, and uh, and Doug, no. we send our kids to public school. They teach them science and history and facts and evidence. And then we take our children and our men, we send them to church, and we teach them Bible stories, like they're fables, like it's Aesop's fables. And I really think that there are a lot of men who have really fallen into that trap. I, I was there, Doug. I was living my life like that, thinking it was all about me, and that the devil got up in the morning, and he couldn't wait to attack me and cause me to have a headache. And when I came to the realization, it wasn't about me. It's something far bigger than me. It's about expanding a kingdom. And that we really are having a wrestling match with these evil spirits in high places. It changed my whole perspective. And to understand that here I sit in Ohio and little old me, my goodness, when the Lord gives me the opportunity, I can make an, an I can do something that can radically transform a nation. I, Doug, I believe that. I believe in my very being. In fact, if you, if you, you give me a second, when the whole, whole thing was going on with Kim Davis, we yes. all remember that. And we were down there, it was about 15 or 20 of us. And you know me, brother, I run to the roar. It's what I love to do. It's where the Lord made me. And Kim <laughs> Davis was on trial down there in, in uh, Ashland, Kentucky. And we had a bunch of us down there. And, of course, the God-haters, they were out. They were on one side and we were on the other side. And just, you know, just doing bannering back and forth and preaching the gospel and living out my faith. And when the word came down that Judge David Bunning had sentenced her to jail, put her in jail for a week. No charge, no bail, nothing. Just wanted, like, cool and Luke, wanted to get her mind right. Doug, we sprung into action. And man, oh man, immediately, we said, we can't, we can't let this stand. It was Labor Day weekend. It was a year ago, almost this time. Yep. We sprung into action. We spent the, that was Thursday. We spent Thursday night, Friday night, Handing out flyers at football games. We stood on street corners. We handed out flyers. Every We must have handed out 10,000 flyers to people. Say, we're going to have a rally on, on Saturday morning outside the jail. Come and support Kim Davis. And we didn't know if anybody would come. And lo and behold, Saturday morning runs, runs around. It's, you know, Thursday she's thrown in jail. It's Saturday morning. It ain't a whole heck of a lot of time. And we had about a thousand people show up, just good old boys. Wow! And thought, man, oh man, are you kidding me? So we, uh, we uh, after the event was over, we said, well, what are we going to do? This is Saturday, Sunday, Monday is Labor Day. This is all going to get lost in the shuffle. What are we going to do? So we, uh, we came up with a great idea. So let's go to Judge Bunning's house. So, are you allowed to do that? I don't know, but let's find out. So we jumped in our car. We found out where he lived. We jumped, drove over to 
to Fort Thomas, Kentucky, where he lived, and we went and we held vigil outside of his house and held signs out there and chanted at his neighbors, and the media came, and they, they covered it, and uh, because it was a slow news day, I get up on Tuesday morning, we find out Mike Huckabee's going to come to town and have a rally, so we're building towards that, and we get up on Tuesday morning, and I, I go to the hotel lobby to get my free donut and look at NBC News, whatever that's called, Good Morning America, or the Today Show, and there we, there we are. There I am, and there's Flip Benham. Now, you can't hear us. They're doing the talk over, but there I am holding our signs, and they, you know how they do the B-roll and everything. They go, oh, yeah. my goodness, are you kidding me? This is Tuesday morning now. Huckabee's coming to town at 3 o'clock that night. You're going to have a rally there. So after I ate my donut, ate two of them probably, shouldn't have, and jumped in my car and ran over to the jail. It's about two-mile drive over to where Kim Davis was. I came down to Doug and made that left-hand turn to the jail, and I was amazed, brother. At 9 o'clock in the morning, the street was lined with American patriots, Christian American patriots. And they were all holding signs. We, our, our motto all week had been, courts don't make law. Show us the law or set her free. And that this street was lined with people out there holding these signs. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And so we get down there and there's thousands of people gathered and they said it ended up being maybe 10, 12, 15,000 people came out to this little afternoon rally. And while we were there, they let Kim Davis out of jail. They opened up the jail and she walked out while the 10,000 of us were there. And you Coach, know, Doug, uh, Joe... That story took a total, complete change because 15 of us said we're going to do something about it. Amen, brother. Hold that. Hold that because I got some questions. We have some questions on the other side. You're listening to the Hagman Hagman Report. Very special guest, Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer. Coach Dave Live. Stay right where you're at. He'll be with us until the end of the show, folks. You can go to his website, ptsalt.com or coachdavelive.com. Before the break, uh, Coach, you brought up a number of things, and uh, we're going to let you expand more into these areas that you want to get into. You said something that we've talked about a lot here on the show, that judges don't make law. And this is a very important issue that we need to, to discuss further in detail. And um, what do you, what do you yes, brother, say, though? Coach, coach, doggone yeah. it. A homosexual marriage is the law of the land. Yeah. How They're dare you? They've convinced us of that, haven't they, Doug? They have convinced <laughs> us. And I'm, I'm telling you, brother, when we were down there that day, by the way, I want to say hi to Greg Evenson. I don't know if Greg's listening tonight, Greg and Liz. I spoke He's to Greg listening. the other day. He's a big Packers fan. And I love Greg Evenson. I love his family. I love him, his wife. You know, he's really been through it, and he's fighting his way through it and getting stronger every day. So, folks out there, if you love Greg Evenson, just uh, just throw up a prayer for him. Um, what a great, Amen. what a great guy he is. We, my wife Amen. and I, love both of them, man. Great people. Yeah. But see, Doug, when, here's a. Uh, I just got to share this story because it's just. I, listen, brothers, we have so little confidence in Christ. We really 
we think he's king of kings and lord of lords. We just don't act like he is. We we say he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and we just don't act like he is. We say he's uh, uh, unto us a child is born, unto us the son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and of the increase of his peace, there shall be no end. We just don't we just don't act on it. We say it, but we just don't act on it. It's been my experience, brother, that when you act on it, God shows up. So we're down there with Kim Davis. I got to tell you this story because I just love this part of it. When I when we were getting ready to go to Judge Bunning's house, by the way, the theme was courts cannot make law. Not only they don't make law, a Supreme Court decision is not law, brothers. It is not law. And we hammered that and hammered that and hammered that. And before we went to Judge Bunnings, uh, I'm probably going to get myself in trouble here. I'm sure all those those alphabets are listening to us tonight. I called my, before we went to Judge Bunning's house, I called my uh, my friend and attorney and said, hey, what's the scoop? He said, oh, listen, you cannot stand in front of his house. You can parade it, but you can't stand there. So I said, okay. So we had our, we had about 16, 20 of us, and we go walk up over the hill, come right to Judge Bunning's house, and the guy comes walking down the hill and says, Coach Dave, how you doing? Shakes my hand. He's just kind of dressed like anybody else would be dressed. I'm thinking, well, this guy's, you know, he's seen someone on the internet. He knows me. And then he starts talking to me, and all of a sudden I realize, wait a minute, this is a federal marshal. So I got a little queasy, think, how does this guy know I'm who I am, you know? But anyway, they said, listen, go ahead, you, can stand, you guys can stand right here, yada, yada, yada. They let us stand right in front of that judge's house for six hours when our attorney said, you absolutely are not, you're not able to do that. And we did. And the media came, and they did their... The five o'clock clip and there's six o'clock clip and there's five thirty clips, six different TV stations and every time we'd go live it'd be either me or Flip talking about courts don't make law, show us the law or set her free and it was something that was really, really simple in the minds of people. You know, they started to think, you know, I remember my eighth grade social studies class. That's right, that's right, courts don't make law. And once that cat got out of the bag down there in Kentucky, I'm telling you boys, that cat ain't going back in there. They know down there in Kentucky courts don't make law. So what we've got to do is we've got to awaken Christians in the body of Christ to understand exactly how our political system works. Homosexual marriage is not, nor will it ever be, legal in the state of Kentucky. So if Kim Davis, people called her a lawbreaker, and you know, she needed to obey the laws. Well, she dug the only law she had to obey was the law of the state of Kentucky, which said by 84% marriages between a man and a woman. She was following the law. The judge was trying to force her to break her oath. And boy, when we pounded that message and that message got out, I'm telling you, it had, it had a great, great effect down there. So I'm trying to encourage people to understand that if we will stand on truth, speak the truth, don't be afraid of what's going to happen to us. I've been a lot of better Christians than me, better than you and, you and Joe, who ended up in the slammer. That's not the worst thing that can ever happen to you. If, uh, as my buddy Flip Benham says, sometimes the Lord puts you in a jail ministry. We can't worry about that. We have to stand up and speak back against these forces of darkness that are, in fact, in control of our government. And I said earlier that we are in a battle for Western civilization. And Doug and Joe, if America goes down, if Christian America goes down, brother, this whole New World Order thing, call it whatever you want to, it will come sweeping over like a tidal wave. And the only thing holding that back is... 
Christian believers in America who are standing up and pushing back. That's, you're right on the money, Coach. And, and I'm going to ask you a further question. How How is that going to be possible when we see the decline of the church an overall decline in the church uh, from, you know, Catholicism to all the other denominations we have here. At the same time, though, there is, a, you know, a, a remnant of people that are branching off from the church, seeing that it's not providing um, what it is that they are looking for in their spiritual life. And you see this, you know, resurgence of, of true Christians who aren't attending, you know, the, the churches. But the majority of churches are, are docile, have been disengaged not only from you know, the world around us, but also from the very scriptures themselves. Uh, how can we get get back on track to a point um, to where this this doesn't happen, this decline of the, the Western civilization? Well, thank God, first of all, Doug and Joe, for Hagman and Hagman. Because as I found out when we were down in Dallas, and as I found out when we were in uh, at Whitestone up in, up in Montana, there's a big church out there that isn't the church, brothers. There's a big, big church outside the church. And again, I was pondering over a scripture that I've said um, many, many times. Sometimes, you know, you got to say a scripture a hundred times before it makes sense to you. And it's Hebrews 10.38, I think. I could be wrong, but it's in Hebrews. Where we're, where we're exhorted to uh, uh, that uh, we are to assemble ourselves together even more, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, even more as we see that day approaching. And I was, a, I was one of those church weenies. I thought that, that when the church door was open, I needed to be there. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, because, you know, things are getting dark and we have to assemble more together. And as I've progressed throughout my faith, I've come to realize, Doug, Joe, I go to church on Sunday. I hate to tell you this, buddy. I'm assembling with a lot of non-believers. I'm not assembling with the believers, not true believers. I'm not trying to besmirch anybody. Their eyes are not open. They don't. They don't. Don't understand. And then, then the Lord, the Holy Spirit, He, he just sometimes just touches the word, and He touched the word in in Hebrews, and it said it was that word, assemble. And I thought, oh my goodness! And I remembered back to when I was my kids were young. We'd get those Christmas presents those boxes, those toys, put it under the tree, and they would open it up, and you get in there, and there's a little thing in there that says, some assembly required. Do you remember Night that, Doug? Night. Oh, yes, Coach. <laughs> that that you know, was like a devil's hell, because I couldn't put anything together, you know. But then I got thinking about that word, and you know what the Lord's doing? He is so remarkable. He is assembling together a body of believers. He is knitting. He is putting us in our proper positions and giving us the opportunity to be effective. When I start a football team, there's 11 positions on offense, there's 11 positions on defense, there's special teams, a bunch of different special teams, and we look at every individual player and say, you know what, there's a good right tackle, there's a good right guard, there's a good center, there's a good left guard, there's a left tackle, and we begin to assemble the team together. And see, you don't assemble a team together just by calling a team meeting and everybody coming, sitting, and drinking Gatorade. That don't make you any good. You have to learn to put the parts of the team together, help them to learn to play together, to play off of each other's strengths, to function together. And brothers, that's what's going on. 
and he is using Hagman and Hagman and and a lot of shows out there. Not just up to you guys, Dave Hodges. I mean, there's a lot of great shows out there where God is bringing these parts together. You know, we went down to. Uh, I don't mean to shift gears on you, but it's relevant. Went down to yeah, do. to, to Louisiana in the flood. That, that, it was worse than Katrina, Doug and Joe. I've been to. I was at Katrina too, but uh, we went down there just outside Baton Rouge, where sixty thousand homes were underwater. We went down there uh, two weeks ago. I'm going to get in this this weekend, by the way. And uh, I put a call out for guys to come. It was so unbelievable. Oh, I'm doing this on my little show, right? We need guys to come. Doug, we had 20 guys. Some flew in, some drove in, and we uh, we had a house that we could stay in. We were down there four or five days, and we were tearing out drywall, and we cooked about 3,000 hamburgers for people who, who had lost everything. And at night, we all got to stay in the same house. It was like church camp. And I'm thinking, oh, oh my goodness, Lord, what you are putting together here. If our eyes will open up and see that we're looking for this big stone building on the corner to be where the Lord's going to visit. The Lord's going to That's not where it's happening, buddy. But it's happening all across America as the Lord is assembling his body together even more as we see that day approaching. That's why I said I'm more excited now than I've ever been at any time in my Christian walk. Okay, so so there it is, Coach. You know, I, I think the question that was asked and answered by you so eloquently is the fact that okay, it's not, what the, the average Christian. What can we do to create this revival in America, folks? Coach Dave is doing it. In fact, he's not only doing it; he's leading the team that's saddling for battle. In this case, he's leading the team to to do it. Uh, Amen. Well. well like it or not. I mean, so how many people out there do you know, folks, who get in their car and say, I'm, yeah, follow me. We're going to, we're, we're going to go to Baton Rouge. We're, we're going to fix, we're going to, we're going to give our assistance to the flood victims of Louisiana. And, and folks, this is what coach is doing. See, you know what I think, coach? Um, you, you had a, you had a YouTube, uh, not, to, I don't know, it was a couple of months ago. I'm looking for somebody else. Yeah, isn't that, yeah. Wasn't that the one? Yeah, I'm looking for yeah. somebody else, or I'm looking for someone uh, else. Yep, someone else. And, and that it was just like two minutes long, but man, that really affected me. Um, yeah, it. Because it, we are, just, Doug. We're always looking for someone else to do it, aren't we? There, there you go. We always are. And you know what? You know what happens. And uh, I hope this. I hope I'm not coming across as braggadocious or no, arrogant. No. I'm not, brother. I'm not at all. Just I trust my heart. Those guys, when when I got those twenty guys, and we got them down to Louisiana, and they saw that devastation. It's worse than Katrina. It's it just goes on forever. These are these were beautiful homes. These weren't shacks. God, Doug, Joe, these are beautiful homes where the people didn't have any any uh, flood insurance because it was like a thousand-year flood. There was no possibility that their houses could ever flood. They ended up getting three feet of water in them, and we would go into these houses and we would we would cut and we would tear off 49 inches, four, four feet one inch, strip everything down below it, take all that drywall out, pull the rugs up, and then feed them at night. And and the, for the guys who went with me, some of them, the first time they had ever done anything in their life, I can't, I can't tell you, brother, it was like the movie uh, Smokey and the Bandit. You remember when 
he's riding with Sally Field, and they jump that bridge, and they fly up over the top, and they come down the other side, and as soon as they hit down the other side, Sally Field says, I want to do that again. I want to go jump something else. That's what happens inside the heart of a man when he goes and lives out his faith. We're going back again this next week. I, hey, Joe, this Doug just sitting across the street for me, man. It's a long way down there. But the blessing that we receive giving uh, giving out, giving to others. See, Donald Trump has hit on something, but he's missed it. He wants to make America great again. That's been a good theme. But he can't make America great. The only way America can be great is if the church is great again. We want to make the church great again. If we make the church great again, the nation's going to follow. And we would go down there to those people who had lost everything, cleaned everything out of their houses. And Doug, Joe, they were sitting around. One of them said to me, oh, well, Tuesday, FEMA will be here, and we're hoping to get some good news from FEMA. Well, you know what the news is going to be from FEMA. Got flood insurance? Nope, sorry, can't help you. Yeah. And so we were down there to lift their spirits to help wherever we could. 60,000 homes. You say, what difference can 20 of you guys do? Nothing. Nothing. But because we can't repair all of Louisiana, does that mean we don't go help at all? And so these little towns we were going to, we were in Springfield, Louisiana. Doug, this, this flood hit. Uh, you live up in uh, up in the out in the country type it hit well, places like where you live it didn't hit big cities it hit little cul-de-sacs where these beautiful homes were and so there wasn't any real established anything that could rescue these people except the church you know what the problem was Doug they weren't prepared they weren't prepared the church was not the church is not ready for what's coming upon the America it's not ready now, there are a lot of us out here in the hinterland who are fighting, but if something breaks loose up there in Erie, Pennsylvania, tornado, flood, whatever it is, you're going to be disappointed to find out that the church isn't going to be much help to you because they just don't even know what it is they're supposed to do. They have trusted in the government to be our Savior. That's right. I mean, there is no spiritual 911 that you can call domestically or terrestrially, I suppose, at this moment in time. Maybe people are going to take that the wrong way. Um, you're right. Enough said. I mean, on my part, the church is not ready. Doug, we would, we would stand there. I don't mean to interrupt. Just want to spare no, me, man. I throw it out there. Well, we would, we would, we set up a buddy of mine, Rich, uh, Rich Smith, drove all the way from St. Louis. He pulled this great big cooker that he had, that he had put together. And we got down there and we began, these people didn't have any. They lost everything. The, the, uh, the, uh, supermarket was underwater. The dollar stores were closed. There was nothing there. And we went down there and we took 3,000 hamburgers and 3,000 hot dogs. And Rich cooked these things up in this great big old grill that he brought. And people pulled in. They sat in their cars and they would drive in. And we'd say, how many meals do you want? And we would hand out, we'd hand them 10 meals. Or the next car, we'd hand out four meals. And you know me, Doug. I'm standing there watching what's going on. And all of a sudden... Boy, I got up on my high horse and I started yelling at our guys because, come on, start praying for these people. These people need prayer. Their hearts have never been more open. Start praying for these people. And you know what, Doug? Some of them didn't really know how to do it. They'd never really done. So we've been taught to keep your faith to yourself. 
I said, oh, no, no, these guys are open. So I, I set it up so when they drove through, Doug, on one side of the car, people were handing in food. And on the other side of the car, somebody had their head inside the car offering prayer. And in the four days that we were down there, over 3,000 meals that we fed out in this little country town called Springfield, Louisiana, not one person, not one person refused prayer. Wow. Now, we know they weren't all Christians. We know they weren't all saved. But we tried to tell them at this point in your life, quit looking at the government, and it's time to turn your eyes to the Lord because the, uh, God has more disaster than the federal government has relief. And if we don't get it right in the church and we don't get our eyes back on the Lord, there are worse days coming to America than what we're seeing right now. It was a great, great growing experience for so many of us, Doug. We're going to go back, as I said, go back again this weekend. I raised about $10,000 uh, last time to go down, and we spent every daggone cent of it in four days feeding those people and buying cleansing products and, and uh, mops and brooms and, and uh, toilet paper and diapers and underarm uh, deodorant and, and toothpaste and toothbrush. They lost everything. And we were able to go down there and the happiest time of my life to spend 10000 bucks as fast as we spent it down there blessing those people. And we know that we brought them hope. Scripture says that hope deferred maketh the heart sick. A lot of sick people down there. And we brought them hope. And we're going to go down and help them and bring them some more hope this weekend. How, how many how many people, Coach, do you, do you think? And maybe this isn't a fair question, or maybe this is not even the correct question, but I'll ask it anyway. Um. All of the people that you touched down there, uh, I mean, you've lit some candles, right? You're, oh, you're a heck of a big candle. Um, so, so, what did you start? I, I mean, my goodness, it seems to me that you would have started some sort of a chain reaction down there. It's, it's still going on now, Doug. I've been, it's been, that's why I'm going back down this weekend. There's, we still have people on the ground feeding even as we speak. They fed 400 sandwiches last night. It's ongoing. And, and so we're down there. Now all the people, Doug, these towns are out in the middle of nowhere. There is nothing around them. And FEMA hasn't come in because flood insurance, for the most part, is a federal program. Well, eighty percent right. of the homes don't have any insurance. They lost everything. They lost their cars. They lost their furniture, their TVs, their refrigerators, their microwaves. They lost everything. And Doug, they're waking up here a month later, and they don't have anything to replace it. And I can't you tell know, you the number of women and men who, when I start, you know me, man, I stick my head right in the car and say, man, can I pray for you? Tell me your story. Can I pray for you? And, man, tears would just run down their faces, and they would just come out of them the hell that they had been through. And I'd say, can I, can I pray for you? And all they'd grab our hands, and we would pray, and we would encourage them, and we would, we would lift them up. And I can't tell you the number of people who said to me, you don't have any idea what it's like to have a hot meal. We don't have a microwave. We don't have anything. And we thank you guys so much just for the hot meal. Isn't that something, Doug? And so the church is missing all of this opportunity, even right now. And I'm uh, my cry to the church is we better get ready because it's coming. Whether it's a blizzard or a tornado or an EMP, whatever it is, it is coming to a city near you. And the 
church, the church of God, the children of God are not prepared for what's coming, and we should be the most prepared. Well, let me take this opportunity. Let, let us take this opportunity, if we if we may, Coach. I mean, you're you're offering, you're providing really disaster relief services and, and taking the prayer to the people and taking uh, bringing hope to the people of the the flood victims. Uh, how can how can our listeners contribute to you, help you? Uh, where do they go? Uh, to, to which website? And, and how can they best help you? Well, thanks, or, or thanks Doug, for for saying that. Uh, I, I never feel comfortable raising money, but I'll tell you this: uh, you give money to us, and it goes to the people that are in need. You know, we're not like mm-hmm. the Red Cross. The uh, president of the Red Cross makes three quarters of a million dollars, and all all of these big charities and brother, they're not down. They're not. I mean, they may be down there someplace, but they're they're not down there. When we go, we share the gospel. We share the gospel. We feed their their physical body, and we feed their spirit. And we have a we have a link right there on our website at CoachDaveLive dot com that people can click there and make a make a donation for us. Like I said, we raised ten thousand dollars in about four days the last time. That sounds like a lot of money. It is, Doug. To get down there and see what yeah, you have exactly. to do, you know. So uh, if people want to help us, we'd love to have them have them help us. If somebody's out there listening and they would like to go, I could not maybe not this weekend, but we think it's an ongoing month long event, uh, contact me. You can contact me right through the website and we'll set you up. We'll give you a place to stay down there. We'll buy you your food. We'll treat you really good. We just ask you to just go out and, and help other people and be Jesus to them. And You know, uh, we try to tell you, you know, again, Doug, I, uh, I call this mercy ministry. Huh. And mercy ministry is the easiest ministry there is to do, meeting the physical needs of people. Most people can do that. I'm more of a prophetic ministry guy. I'm, I'm more of a, I like to go, you know, I like to go to judges' houses, and I like to go fight city hall. I, that's where my heart is. I, that's what I'd like to do, go rescue babies. But you have to be balanced, and so we try to be balanced in both aspects of it. We have the prophetic, which I call the manly side of the gospel, the thus saith the Lord, and then we have the motherly side, which I call the, the mercy ministry. We go and feed and clothe, and both of those are the perfectly balanced view of what I believe our Heavenly Father is. So, uh, for people who've never done anything like this, this is the easiest thing to do. It's easy to give away a hamburger. It's easy to lift somebody up when they're down. It's, it's, uh, it's a good good place to get your get your feet wet. So, if anybody's interested in going, just connect, uh, get a hold of me through the website there, CoachDaveLive.com, and I'll get back to you, and we'll find you a place to stay and do all that stuff down there. But if they do want to contribute, Doug, I promise you this, we'll spend every cent of it on those folks down there, giving them food, getting them the materials they need. We've been doing it for a month. They're, they're feeding tonight. My buddy Rich Smith from St. Louis drove back there again last night. He's back there cooking burgers. He's cooking them tonight, and we're going to be cooking them all through the week and through the weekend, and we're just going to keep this process up till uh, till the Lord calls us away from it. Have you have you been uh, as have the police, the authorities? You know, I, I don't like that word, but have the police have they been uh, okay to you, or has there been? Yeah, other yeah, they, they have. Because remember, again, it's small town, small sure. towns, and they're so happy okay. to have it. And uh, uh, one of the, the crazy, crazy things that's going on right now, not so much where we are, which is in Springfield, Louisiana. It's all, this is all up near Baton Rouge. When Katrina hit, it hit a little bit farther south down in New Orleans. That's about six, 60 miles. Um, now they're having a little bit of trouble up there, Doug, if you can believe that. The authorities want building permits to repair these people's homes, if you can believe that. Oh, man. Is that something, brother? And 
so, <laughs> so, <laughs> guys like I don't even know how to swing a hammer, you know. And I'm in there trying to put drywall up there, and they're upset that we're not giving them a building permit. And these people just say they just want their houses put back together, you know. And I understand the need for government, but you just run into that kind of stuff all the time, and it's uh, it's frustrating, but it, it's part of the battle. Yeah, and I mean, I can understand if you're, you know, building an addition yeah, on somebody's house, or yeah, you're yeah. putting put in a pool. Lot. Uh, yeah, th- this is ridiculous. Yeah, but I think we got volunteers down there and they're holding it up because we don't have permits. It's, you know, that's, uh, well, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. But, hey, listen, brother, it's going to cause a great revival down there. So, that's you know, right. I'd stick my head in those cars, and some guy would tell me, he, he would just tell me about everything he'd lost and his dog, and he'd just be brokenhearted. I said, well, bud, let me ask you something. Would you like it better if you were gone and all your stuff was still here? Wow. And they would just look at me and kind of a smile would come over their face, you know, and they'd say, well, you know, I never looked at it that way. I guess I did come out okay. So it's all perspective, isn't it, Doug? And if we can give them a little bit of hope and a little bit of help, uh, we got a bunch of resilient people in America. And uh, if we make the church great again, we'll make America great again. There it is. Coach Dave Dobmeyer is our guest. CoachDaveLive.com. Help him out. He's uh, doing a heck of a job for the relief, the flood victims. Going to be right back. Stay right there. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hagman and Hagman. Oh man, our, our guest, uh, I guess this segment, this hour is Coach Dave Dobmar. You know, let me just, uh, folks, listen to this, okay? If you, if you don't think for one instant that our priorities are misplaced as a, as human beings, for example, in Macau, this brand new hotel is was just built. It's just coming on to the into the scene. It's obscene. It's obscene. The there's actually between Dubai and Macau. There's a war of hotels. Who can build the bigger? Who can build the best hotel? Now, now, now think of the of of the 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 Caligula esque. I'm not even sure if that's a word. It doesn't matter. But, but but think about this in in Macau, um, the thirteen the hotel it's a luxury hotel two hundred rooms each of which they spent seven million dollars per room on okay now think about that and each room's got like a private elevator your own butler a six to eight the Roman bath that that holds six to eight people okay now you got the picture. That's in Macau, and of course Dubai, Macau. There, there again. There, there's a war of opulence, shall we say? And wow, where did that come from? I, I a mystery moth, mystery or something. Uh, I don't Beetle. know. Here, we're, we're having a we're, we're having a uh, an invasion here at the <laughs> studio. Um, seriously, a moth. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't know what that was, but anyway, so, so, uh, yeah, I didn't like what I was saying, knocked off my, my, uh, anyway, and here's Coach Dave. Here we are in America. 
Why haven't we heard about the severity of the flooding in Louisiana? We have somewhat, but not to the extent. Remember Katrina. And Coach Dave's saying, oh, this is much worse than Katrina. Now back to Macau, uh, where these, where this hotel is being built, the 13, this, this war of opulence. Have we not misplaced our empathy? Where, where, where is that? I, I don't know. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, this is obscene at its face. And here we have these people who stay in luxury. One suite, the biggest suite in this this hotel, is 30,000 square feet. 30,000 square feet. It's not even, it's, it's, and here we have Coach Dave picking up the, taking up the, the at the tip of the spear, Coach Dave Live, ptsalt.com, Coach Dave Live, driving in his 71 Ford Pino. No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know what it is. <clears throat> but, you know, using all of the resources available to him and helping others, the victims of this flood in Louisiana. So, you know, I, I would say this. Uh, we're going to send you a Miniman rocket stove at the very least, Coach, to help you out, or maybe a couple if we can. Uh, speaking of which, uh, folks, visit MinutemanStove.com. The Minuteman rocket stove is perfect for survival cooking, for you and your family, um, hey, if I was if I was in a situation where I could not, I didn't have a power, I didn't have electric, Miniman Rocket Stove is the answer to your needs. It's a it's a small stove, requires only a small amount of sticks, twigs, and what what have you, and you're always going to be able to find enough fuel for the rocket stove. It requires uh, uh, requires one tenth of the fuel required for open uh, uh, open fire burning. It's fully insulated factory uh, refactory insulation. It ref- it focuses the heat in, uh, to a specific area. It's it's a wonderful device. It can be used on a picnic table. It can be used on the hood of your car. Actually, it can be used anywhere. The sto- outside of the stove it reaches only like 200 degrees in temperature, and it it creates little smoke as well. Uh, actually, if you don't want to give away your location or create a hazard to others, that's the way to go. So the Miniman stove is self-contained, heats, seals airtight for travel for storage. It's the only self-contained rocket stove on the market. And you talk about America. Folks, this is made in America by Americans. You can actually go to MinutemanStove.com. Check out the guys who make these. But uh, let's all pitch in. And, hey, you know, we, we can all pitch in uh, to help coach. And, um, again, I'm going uh, I'm to hook you up with, with some of these stoves because I think this is a good – this would be good. I know that uh, – you know, we, we can't help everybody, but uh, you were mentioning, too, what difference does maybe 20 homes make? It's, it reminds me of that story, uh, Coach, about the uh, starfish on the on the beach after a high tide. You know, amen, you, amen. you know, the child throwing them in, and a uh, guy comes up and says, what difference does it make? You're, you can't get them all. It makes a difference to that one you threw in. So, well, You know, Doug, I'm reminded when we were, when we were in um, there in Springfield, Louisiana, one of the guys pulled up with a uh, with a grill and some charcoal, and you just thought there'd been a fight over that thing. Because people, people, you know, my goodness, you mean I can get some heat in my house and electricity, but they, they didn't have anything to, to, you know, to cook on. So I would say to folks, uh, you talk about prepping, boy, having a little something like that you could cook on is would, man, it would. You never know when calamity's coming your way, and it it, it, would, it would be important to uh, to have something like that for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So everyone, I didn't mean to walk on you again. No, no. I just everyone needs to step up and, and help you. I mean, you're out there doing man's work and uh, at the tip of the spear, sharing the gospel, 
putting food in people's hands and mouths and, and, and building homes. My goodness. But, but you know, but why aren't we, why didn't we hear about this? I, where's the failure at here? I, I, or, or I guess maybe there isn't a failure. It's just that, that we have to understand that, that, that FEMA, the government, they're not going to come and help us. It's, there is a failure there, Doug. There is a failure. And okay. the failure is this, that, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I make me some enemies here, but it, it is what it is, brother. And that's that the churches have, uh, you know, it says bring all the tithes to the storehouse that there would be meat in my house. And, Doug, in, in my humble opinion, uh, we've taken the, what, uh, the giving of the people and we've turned it into pastor's salaries and minister's salaries and blacktop and plasma TVs and carpet and pews and we have missed we have so missed the weightier matters of the law and that's what I saw down in yeah. uh, saw down in Louisiana that the churches were incapable of helping because every cent they had raised they had put it back into their church mm. and I'm reminded I wrote a commentary a few years ago maybe 10 years ago now I called it Dead Sea Christianity Oh. And the reason I call it Dead Sea Christianity, uh, guys, is the thing that makes the Dead Sea dead is that it has inflow, but it doesn't have any outflow. Everything flows into the Dead Sea, but because nothing gets out of it, it stagnates. That's mm. most of our churches. And the churches have become self-focused, inward-focused. I call it an ingrown toenail. And all the money that they have, oh, they might send a little bit of money over to, you know, to missions, overseas missions and all that stuff. I said, come on, man. The mission field's right down the street. Just go to Broaden High, right there at your local community. There's more help there than you could ever, ever need. But because we're, we're in such competition in our churches for bigger crowds and popular preachers and, uh, hey, listen, I understand the trappings of that. I do. I do. But I saw it down in Louisiana. They weren't, churches weren't able to help anybody because everything they had, they had turned back into the church. And the people looking for a church to go to, they, w- they wouldn't even have known, they wouldn't even known where to begin. So I would just, I would encourage people that, uh, I think the way the Lord designed it, Doug, it said, He said it's better to give than it is receive. And, uh, there were a couple times down there where I, uh, I had a little bit of pocket money, took some with me intentionally, and I reach in my pocket and give, give somebody $20, pull out of my pocket and lean in the car and said, here, man, go buy you some whatever, whatever. Here, let this, use this. Doug, and to see their eyes light up. Do you, do you have any idea how many people lost money stashed under their bed or in the closets or under a rock someplace? Money just drifting wherever. And all that little stash money they had hidden is gone. And to, to be able to walk down there and dig in your pocket and give somebody 20 bucks and watch your eyes light up, brother. That's why the Lord said it's better to give than to receive. Is a real, there's a real relationship that's built when you meet the physical needs of another person. So I'd just, I'd encourage people to try to get involved in any way that you can to make a difference right where you live, right there in your, in your hometown. There are a lot of people who need a lot of help. And yet it's dirty, uh, uh, Ministry is dirty work, brother. Discipleship is dirty work. And sometimes you pick up a problem and you have a hard time putting it down. And it is just a problem and it becomes a burden. And you say, Lord, why did I pick this up? Well, 
because you're just trying to be Jesus to those folks who don't don't have any other place to turn. And so I just want to you know encourage folks uh, that uh, your faith will grow when you step out step out and do good things. Uh, you're absolutely correct, Coach. And this world would be a much better place if each and every individual believer. Uh, just once a day went out of their way to do something nice for somebody else. Uh, but, and also, you know, if they were to make a regular habit of, you know, going to soup kitchens or finding homeless people to feed or just, you know, being a better person, neighbor, uh, and friend to those in the community, it would be a much different place. But people have a hard well, time see, stepping that, out of their comfort know, once, zone. Once we begin to exercise our faith, I tell, I say, listen, face a muscle. It's a muscle. And I can't tell you how many times in my coaching career I taught, I coached kids that didn't have any muscles. And I said, man, in the off season, we got to get you in the weight room, man. We got to, we got to get some meat on those bones. We got to toughen you up. We got to strengthen you. We got to get your body stronger. Faith is the same way, brother. You got to exercise your faith. Paul said, show me your faith. And you, when you begin to exercise your faith and you begin to step out and you begin to do those faith push-ups, it's amazing how much stronger that you begin to get. And then you can progress to the next level. You can put 10 pounds on each side of the barbell, then it's 15 pounds. We have to exercise our faith in order for it to be able to grow. But we have, we've relied so much in our churches on what I call the professional Christians. Professional Christians. We hire those guys who stand up in that pulpit. We hire them to do the ministry. We pay them our weekly dues, and they do the ministry for us. And really, uh, it takes us out of it. And the greatest ministry you ever do, as I said, is when you do it person to person, not through the church, person to person. Dig in your own pocket and give somebody twenty bucks, and and uh, you know your faith. Your faith really grows there. But guys, hey, guys, there's a side of me though. You know, I'm a I'm I'm kind of feeling like I'm a sissy boy tonight because I'm out helping people. I'm a fighter too, Doug. Joe, I'm a fighter, and I think yeah. my my faith grows when I go fight. My faith grows when I go stand up at an abortion clinic. I was out there this morning, at one here in, in Columbus, Ohio, and this little 19 year old girl comes up and beautiful, beautiful black girl. Not that it matters, except about 40 percent of every baby aborted in America is a black girl. I mean, it's it's the way that it is, brother. It's a it's great genocide to be able to catch her. She's walking in and stop her. And I think I can't swear to it, brother, but I believe I had to save the day. I believe that girl who was three months pregnant. She told me her boyfriend had just had died. I didn't get into the details of it. Her boyfriend. She called it her baby daddy. The baby daddy was dead. Her mom was mad. Didn't want her to have the baby, and she hadn't told her dad yet. So there she is, like an animal with its foot caught in a trap. And I was able to reason with her and said, I'll adopt your baby. We'll find your baby at home. We'll help you keep your baby. And Doug, she left that place. Now, I don't know what you think, man. That's probably one of the greatest things you could ever do in your life. You save That's a right. baby. You save a lineage. You you are you save a baby. You're blessing a grandma and a grandpa and an uncle and an aunt and cousins. People you don't even know are getting blessed by your your attempts to go out there. Now, be honest with you, it ain't easy. I mean, most times you don't save them. But sometimes you do. And that's the type of thing I'm talking about, to get out and actively yeah. live our faith. The Bible says that the righteous are as bold as lions, and evil men flee when no one pursues. And look at America. we got it just the opposite way, man. The homos are the bold ones. 
the, so you, the, the yeah, Sodomites and, and the God haters. They're the bold ones. And, and those and of us who that's right. call ourselves Christians, we hide. We're back in our stained glass fortresses, and we hide from the devil. It's, but, it's but, ridiculous, but, brothers, where it, we are. And, and coach, this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm so glad you're you're able to join us tonight because I really wanted to get and I want to get uh, for the remainder of the show an update on because you're on the front lines here an update on on the abortion the war against infanticide the the, the killing off of our unborn obviously it, it's a war that's raging and you're leading an army against that and of course we've got this this uh, this cancerous I guess it's a cancer of of moral, uh, this moral cancer and spiritual cancer that not only encompasses or includes infanticide, but also is this uh, this normalization of perverse behavior. Mm -hmm. And you're out there. And and if I can, you know, it's interesting to see with these different. uh, One example I saw was the Zika virus where the CDC and lawmakers and bureaucrats are so concerned for these unborn children, as they call them, who, you know, could be born with, with smaller brains or deformities due to what they cite uh, as the Zika virus for uh, the, those problems occurring during the pregnancy. But when it comes to the abortions, you know, they're, you hear them say, oh, they're not human beings, they shouldn't have rights. And you see the double standard there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the abortion clinic that I go to regularly, the Planned Parenthood, is is on the east side of Columbus, short east side, which is you know it's it's a black community. That's where all the abortion clinics are. And I was on I was out there uh, I don't know two weeks ago, or so I had my had my cell phone. I was looking down at my cell phone, and the local TV station had just released a story. And I I kid you not, the headlines of the story on my Facebook page said, "Are you ready?" Unborn baby dies in Hamilton Road accident. Mm-hmm. And I, I, this is a mile from where I am. The night before, an unborn baby had died in a car wreck. And I went over to the police officer who guards, guards us there, make sure that we don't pray too loud or whatever. And I said, Sarge, that's why I call him Sarge. I said, Sarge, read this for me. And he read it. I said, are we missing something here? They're calling this an unborn baby a mile down the road, and right behind your back, they're killing 50 of them today, and you ain't doing a damn thing about it. What's going on here, Sarge? Well, it just ticks them off, right? It just ticks them off. But that's 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 our double-mindedness here in America, that we can't understand what's going on. Now, I want to take you, can I, let me slide you back into that spiritual world again here. I believe the Lord's revealed to me that blood is currency in the spiritual world. Jesus said that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We're told that the life is in the blood. We're told that the the blood has a voice. The blood cries out for vengeance. We're told that... uh, the, the only way that a payment could have been made for sin in the Old Testament was by the shedding of blood of a goat or a bull. And guys, I'm telling you something. This is the heartthrob of all this evil that's going on around us. We can't see it. We don't understand. But the, the shedding of innocent blood in our abortion clinics, I believe, is 
is uh, empowering this spiritual realm, this evil in this spiritual realm. And that the church, the church again, is not awake to it. Doug, I go to that clinic three days a week, I'm telling you, brother. We could shut that thing down in a week. No doubt in my mind, in a week, we could close that abortion clinic down. But our churches, they say they're pro-life, but they're really not. They don't hate abortion, see. But even worse than that, we are turning on the spigot and powering, fueling that spiritual realm where all of this evil is going on. And the church is oblivious to it. And if we, Jesus said that, uh, you know, the blood of Jesus, think about this. One drop covers all sin. How about that? One drop covers all sin. So the power of the blood of Jesus is so much more powerful than the shedding of innocent blood, yet we won't stand up, the church won't stand up and turn off that spigot and apply the forgiveness of the blood of Jesus over our cities. If we were to do that, then I believe, Flip Benham, you get him talking about that, I believe that if we turn off that spigot, a lot of these problems, these ancillary problems that come as a result, of it, a lot of them are going to go away. Human trafficking, homosexuality, all of it. Doug, I was, you know, I was thinking Sunday, yesterday was 911. 15 years since 911. And you think back to 2001, and you look, brother, in the last 15 years, how far America has fallen. You know, we, home, uh, sodomy was against the law in 2001. 2003, they legalized sodomy in America. And look where we are 12 years later. Look at what has happened. We better step back and ask ourselves, what is fueling this flood of, of violence and, and uh, degeneracy and debauchery? What is, what is feeding this? And I think we'd find out that uh, a lot of it's coming from the innocent blood of those unborn babies in those abortion clinics. That's a very interesting statement, and I and I believe that to be true because I I do believe that the, as you had mentioned, you know, abortions are, to I mean I don't know how else to put it, but abortions I believe are sacrifices to, to the small G God, you know, Moloch. Uh, it's currency, you know. Doug. It's literally yes. currency. I think in the spiritual yeah. realm, it's I, I totally agree. It's but, but, but not, we, don't, we haven't figured it out yet. We still, we're still happy yeah. for that fiat money when we ought to be, we ought to be shutting those spigots off. So, again, well, okay. I, I start, again, circling back around, that I yeah. started out a couple, you know, an hour ago talking about the the demonic influence in America and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and all this stuff. We have not yet been able to figure it out. We don't understand that it's a that it's a spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, Doug, when the founders put together the Constitution, they put in there something called high crimes and misdemeanors. And for years, I couldn't figure that out. What's a high crime? What's a high crime? I said, well, it must be murder. It must be treason. That must be a high crime. And then I did some reading. I found out, no, a high crime has to do not with, with the crime, but the position. A, a, a high crime... See, I could, I could steal and be punished one way, but if the mayor steals, 
he gets punished worse. He has a higher position than where than what I do. And so we go right up that ladder and we look at the high crimes, the crimes in the upper echelons in our government. Those are the crimes that we should be taking on and those are the ones that we are ignoring the most. And scripture tells us that because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will wax cold. Guys, just look around. Let's just connect some dots here. Look at how little we care about life. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will wax cold. We have murders running down the streets of our cities, blood curling down through the, through the sewers, abortion. I mean, it's everywhere. And yet, we look at what's going on in the upper echelons of our government. Zero accountability for the evil that's taking place. And we've reached a point in America where we actually expect that out of our leaders. What did, hey, hey, Doug, what was, uh, when I was a kid, what did they tell us about George Washington? What was so noble about him? Do you remember, Doug? Never told a yeah. lie. Never told you know. a lie. Yeah. He chopped down a cherry tree and went and confessed. Went and told That's his right. daddy he chopped down the tree. There was something about being truthful and honorable in people in high places. Right. And in my lifetime, we will look back. If the Lord tarries, we're going to look back. And there's been nobody who's destroyed the morality of America more than Bill and Hillary Clinton. I had to, I had to, because of Bill Clinton, I had to tell my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter, what oral sex was. Ruined the morality of America. Determined oral sex was no longer sex. But this happened in our lifetime, Doug. This has all happened in these last 15 or 20, I guess with Clinton, it would be maybe maybe 20, 20 years. And then look at what's going on with Hillary, the lying and the cheating and the stealing and the corruption. And That's what right. I think's really going on with this whole Clinton cabal and the Clinton as Rush calls it, Crime Network and all that stuff. That's right. I think, Doug, they've taken that money, and I think they spread it all around Washington. I think everybody in Washington is is involved in it. They gave them, you know, they gave them contributions to the re Republicans and Democrats, contributions to the re-election campaigns and all that. That's why I think they hate Trump so much. They know that if Hillary gets elected, that won't be exposed. But if Trump gets elected... They're afraid that maybe all that corruption is going to be exposed. So in my mind, that's that battle that's going on in America. And so many of them are knee-deep, elbow-deep. How Paul Ryan and those guys can keep their mouths shut, well, yeah. I believe, brother, they've been hooked. And now yeah, they've exactly. been compromised and they can't stand up and speak the truth. And, and that's, and I'm so glad you brought that up because the Clinton crime, the, the, the course of criminal conduct in the investigative, in investigative parlance or in the law enforcement, you look at the uh, course of criminal conduct, and we, we've seen this right from day one with the Clintons, both Bill and Hillary. Um, you know, I mean Hillary, of course, now with uh, with the foundation running backwards, and of course the lies about her health and whatever else might be. Everything that 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 comes out of her mouth is a lie. And you know, we mm -hmm. had one moment, uh, Coach, of lucidity, one moment of honesty, perhaps, when she spoke about the basket of deplorables, the half of Trump, oh. or the about. You know, really, um, and I'd rather be deplorable than deportable. <laughs> In this mm. case, but uh, uh, <laughs> deplorable is a matter of opinion anyway, isn't it, Doug? Yes, yes, it is. But 
isn't it? And, and you, you mentioned so many things that I think are so um, so really important to today. The fact that uh, even back uh, twenty plus years ago, uh, you had to explain to your daughter, uh, you know, what oral sex was right. because of the conduct in the in the White House. I mean, how dare these people? How dare these globalists force us? Or I shouldn't say force us because that's wrong. How dare they? exhibit the hubris, the lack of morality, the lack of spirituality, and attempt to thrust it down our throats. It's wrong. It's wrong. We need to stand up. And as coaches, you always say, we need to stand up. We need to show up. We need to play our position. And we need to say no more, not now, not ever. And, folks, the man on... The the man that's joining us for our last segment, Coach Dave Dobmeyer, I like to call America's Coach. CoachDaveLive.com. That's CoachDaveLive. It's simple as that. CoachDaveLive.com. And he's, he's on the ground as well in Louisiana helping the flood victims help out. CoachDaveLive.com. I'm going to be right back. Coach Dave here in this last segment of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Just a quick announcement before we get back to him. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow night where we're going to have two guests. The first two hours of the show, we are going to be joined by Jonathan Kahn. Uh, he's got a new book out, Book of Mysteries. The Book of Mysteries. That's right. The Book of Mysteries. It's a great book, by the way. Yeah, we're going to be talking about... Uh, a lot of those mysteries and more with Jonathan Kahn tomorrow from 7 to 9, followed by Stan Deo from 9 to 10. So make sure you join us again tomorrow night. Jonathan Kahn we got a whole, a whole week right. lined up of a fantastic guest. Uh, yeah, Coach absolutely. Dave today kicking it off. We're going to go back to Coach. Yeah, Coach. Co- wait a second. Before you, I mean, before, uh, definitely to go back to Coach, but I, I wanted to ask him, too. I've been I, Before I forget, Coach, i got to ask you. Where are we at with fighting Target or uh, boycotting Target or, or man? You were you were you caused such. I mean, I love it. I, I loved it. You made national news. You stood up to Target. Uh, the they lost store. like two billion in stock price. Yeah, you cost. I mean, if I was on the board of Target, uh, I'd be like your name would be like at the top. Uh, I'd be writing your name down, and you know. It's crazy, isn't it, Doug? I mean, uh, uh, again, you j- just listen to the Lord show up and just stand up and be a man. And that that, that video I made went viral. And, and you, you know, I know that the American Family Association got involved with it, and they really, really drove it. But I, I, I sit around, I tell my friends, listen, I called Target $10 billion. And I, I, really believe that, I really believe that I did. I mean, they, you know, AFA, they took my video and they posted it. On, it went viral. It was on their website. It was everywhere. Well, where we are with it is, you know, the battle is so big. Again, the Devils team, they're smart. They play together. We don't play together very well. We have very little staying power. We had great, great, uh, we really influenced them early. And we're still influencing because, you know, their sales are really, really down. But, you know, we've tried to have a couple more rallies. You can't get people to, you just can't get people to have any staying power. Doug, the same thing happened to us with, uh, with the Planned Parenthood thing. We had them on the ropes. I believe we really had, I believe we had them buried and we showed up and had a thousand the first time. Next time we showed up, we had a hundred and people just don't, we just don't have the stick to it. So here's the good news. 
we made a point with Target, and we know that other other businesses watched it. And now they've come out. They're spending, uh, I think, it, something phenomenal, like a billion dollars, putting uh, gender-neutral bathrooms in there. Uh, they still haven't really changed their policy, but they have they have bent a little bit. And now I just I just try to encourage people that we can make a difference, man. If we show up and we get together, we really really can make a difference. And uh, so I'm, you, you know, I'm glad that. we led that one. I thought it was a, a yeah. great effort. And uh, they know Christians are alive and well somewhere. That's for sure. Well, I, I love it because, and folks, if you if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, uh, Coach Dave Dobmeyer went to Target. And it just inquired about the bathroom policy. I, I, it did more than that, but inquired about the bathroom policy. And once, uh, once this, once told, I, 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 I guess I, I don't, I don't want to get this I just, wrong. I just took a cell phone video, Doug. I just went in with my daughter and guarded the bathroom while my daughter went in the bathroom. The manager came. I just asked the manager some straight up questions, and I think the questions were so clear, and her responses were so obvious that any man could walk into a women's restroom. It was just the simplicity of it and the anointing of the Lord upon it, and the Lord just grabbed that thing, and that thing went viral, and and uh, boy, we put a we put a whooping on Target's head, that's for sure. They'd have been a lot yeah. better off. They tried to buy me off for about a, a million dollars, don't you think, Doug? Well, <laughs> Somebody yeah. in some boardroom someplace is getting thumped probably right now. Well, exactly. And, and so, so I, I guess the, the point is here, Coach, and, and this is something, the, the message that we try to get across all the time, and, and folks, you've heard me use this example. You know, one person uh, goes up against a TSA like I tried to do, and, and God really, I think, worked in, in my life by taking my voice away from me. I, I, somehow I couldn't, I, I was doing some video and audio work and that morning before we left for uh, Texas, and I... Uh, when I got to the TSA, I had no voice left, so my yells were nothing more than this. <laughs> the TSA, you know. Yeah. But uh, I think, I, but but see, one person they'll get arrested, or you know, you, you won't see him again. Two or three people, it's oh, you know, it, it, it's an incident. Uh, but if everyone showed up, and if everyone said no, I'm not going to put up with this crap, and, and we're not going to put up with this. We're not going to we're not going to allow this in our lives. This garbage, this perversity. We can make that difference. But the problem is, is getting people to show up, and it goes back to your. Your video, um, you know, looking for someone else. Um, yeah, that, that's right. That's what happened at, at uh, Target. That whole thing took on a life of its own, and others started going in there with it, taking little videos, all that stuff. So, yeah. Doug, we ought to be winning. I'm just telling you, we ought to be winning. But we have to, man. We got to strap up our, tighten our belt, and put our helmet on and go to war. And we just haven't seemed to have, have been too willing to do that. Yeah, exactly. Let me let me touch on something here, Doug. That I think is really kind of controversial, but I don't I don't you know I I just call them like I see them, and and I'm trying to help people uh, just to step back for a minute and look around at what's going on, and I, I I hope people will take this in the right vein, but if you don't, you don't. Uh, what do you remember, Doug? Years ago, when they used to talk about wasps. Wasps who built America, the uh, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Talk about all those people of European descent who came to America, came in through the Statue of Liberty, came into Ellis Island. They came in and built the greatest. They came in the front door. They came in the front door. They came in the front door and they built the greatest nation the world has ever seen. And the one thing that they all had in common when they came in is they had a common religion that they shared the religion of Christianity white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, they called them wasps we don't even hear that term anymore Doug 
No, and I no, believe that the only way that America is going to be saved is for the revival or the awakening of that white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Now, you look at what's going on. That, by the way, that's part of the Trump phenomenon, by the way. We shouldn't deny it. It is part of it. It's not totally, but it's part of it. And we cannot, we can't, we, Doug, we got to look at, at America, and we look at what's going on with all the Syrian refugees and the, uh, the Muslim in chief in the White House. You look about all these Syrian refugees and all these Muslims that they're bringing. Doug, why aren't they sending those Muslims to Africa? Why aren't wow. they sending them to China? Oh, why aren't they sending them to Japan? Why are they flooding these formerly white Anglo-Saxon Protestant nations with all of these Muslims? Folks, we've got to wake up. We've become so timid in regards to race relationships that nobody will say what I'm saying on this program tonight. And it is because of the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant that the black man today has a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's because of the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant today that the man in China or Thailand or Vietnam have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The white Anglo-Saxon Protestant took the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. And if we would step back and we would look at this from a spiritual standpoint, not from a skin color, but from a cultural standpoint and realize America was great because of the values that we held. And the values that we held were those of the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Now we can throw Catholics in there because they came into the, the deal later on, but it was Christians, white heterosexual Christian men in particular that founded this great nation. And when I started the, the show, you know, an hour or so ago, I said, I talked about Western civilization being at stake, Doug. We really are at that point where Western civilization is at stake. And I heard Michael Savage, the radio host, who's certainly not a, not a Christian man, I heard him say about six months ago, and I came up right out of my chair, he said, the only thing that will save America is a more militant Christianity. Now, what he meant by militant, and what I mean by militant, is one that will at least stand up and push back and fight against all these forces of darkness. But see, they've made us so scared to even mention what I've mentioned tonight, white. Oh, my goodness. You're not allowed to mention that because you become a racist at that point. But, Doug, come on, man. That was the undergirding of this once great Christian nation. And the attempt by Obama to bring all of these citizens over here. See, when your dad came here, Doug, and my dad, my grandpa came here, we were called a melding pot. I was talking to a group of teenagers the other day, and they thought it was melting, M-E-L-T-I-N-G, melting pot. I said, no, no, it's a melting, M-E-L-D-I-N-G, a melting pot. That is a, that's a, that's a, that's a metal word. That is like 
<coughs> welding to a meld is you take things of strong substance and you meld them together and they become stronger than they ever were. Out of many becomes one. But look at what's going on in America today, Doug. It's a concentration and a focus on the minorities and uh, uh, tolerance and diversity and all cultures are the same. And that is the devil at work in America to try to undermine the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reason... Oh, Lord, give us a Christian Donald Trump. What if we had a man with the courage of Donald Trump, who was a strong, firm believer in Jesus Christ, who stood up and spoke in a way that was not politically correct, who called it out the way that he saw it, and began to say once again, no, no, we are going to reestablish Christian values in this nation. So in my opinion, as I look at it, the Lord is using a donkey because he can't find a Christian man who will stand up and, and say it. And so we have got to, we, Doug, we cannot be afraid to say that. White, Anglo-Saxon, Protestants, they have to arise if we're going to once again reestablish the Christian virtue in this nation and with all the calamity and everything that's coming maybe we can through the spirit of God have an overthrow and a reformation of that den of thieves in Washington D.C. and once again establish a Christian government with Christian principles being taught. I remember as you do when I went to school and the school began with a prayer and the Ten Commandments were on the wall and ever since those days 1963 we have seen the de-Christianization of America. I'm not besmirching Mexicans I'm not besmirching blacks I'm not besmirching anybody, but I'm telling you, it's the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant male in particular that's going to have to rise up, brother. And that's the battle that I see laying out on the horizon. You know, the, with this wow. influx of, of immigrants from the Middle East, uh, it had been said during the Arab Spring that they would um, pose as immigrants and come over here and infiltrate Europe and infiltrate America to change the face of the Western Hemisphere and the Western London, culture. London, England, Joe. And London, England isn't even, it isn't even wide anymore. London, England. Can you believe that? Yes. And this is yeah. being done purposefully. They are destroying and stealing away our Christian heritage. Remember, this battle is not Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal. It's not that. It is the seed of the serpent against the seed of the woman. And from the very beginning... The devil has been out to destroy Christ and his children. That's what's manifesting in front of us right now. I saw the other day that 94% of the Syrian refugees are Muslim. Can you tell me oh, yeah. Yeah. why in the That's hell are bring they bringing them here, Doug? There's, there's a new article today that talks about um, oh, the Syrian refugees admitted already 15% over the target with 11,000, close to 500, resettled in the U.S., uh, going well over the goal of 10,000. But out of those 11,500, the majority of Christians to Muslims is just staggering. Just uh, 54 of the 11,500 are Christians. They yeah. comprise of 14 Catholics, 6 Orthodox, 4 Protestants, 1 Greek Orthodox, plus 29 refugees identifying themselves simply as Christian. 
the rest, uh, the majority are Sunni Muslims, it says. It's and there are no shortage of Christians in the Middle East, and especially of refugees, Christian refugees in the Middle East. But they are being denied, and it is being uh, one-sided, and it's being done for a purpose. This is all going it is, according and, and to the plan. You look at America today, the last guy to speak up is the white guy. He's the last guy to speak up, man. They're gonna, he's going to be banged by the homos. He's going to be banged by the Muslims. Hillary comes out and calls us deplorable and talks about the, the homophobes and all that stuff. Come on, folks. Open your eyes and understand what is going on. And it's not that I, as a Christian, don't love all people. That isn't even the point. The gospel of the kingdom of God needs to be defended. If we let the gospel of the kingdom of, of God fall in here in America, Western civilization will die. And I'm here to tell you, the Lord is not going to let that happen. And the only ones who are going to raise up that banner, God bless our black Christian and brother, Christian brothers. God bless the Chinese Christian brothers. It's not about them, but it's about the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant man and woman standing up and once again reasserting our values as clearly, uniquely American values. If we do anything short of that, we will not survive the next 15 or 20 years as a Christian nation because just from just from population numbers, the Muslims are out reproducing us 8 to 1. It's just a numbers game. We've got to wake up if we're going to have anything to hand off to our grandchildren. And and there it is. You know, at our age, at my age, I don't know, we, if if we are introspective, we think about our legacy. And part of our legacy, or what, what comprises our legacy, is what we leave our children, our grandchildren. The mess, the, the, the absolute mess that, that we have created, or in some cases have allowed to be created, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're either... You're either leading, you're following, or you're, you, sh- you better get out of the way. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you're either a doer, a watcher, or just, uh, you know, a, a problem, I guess. But, but, Doug, but, but are we right allowed, there. are you allowed to be proud of your white Christian ancestry no. in America today? Are you allowed no, to be of proud not. of that? No. No. no, not without being called a racist and a homophobe. No, right. What's going on yeah. here? See, remember, folks, this is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's not a political issue. And because we were the ones who found we fought a civil war. 600,000 Americans died for black Americans to be free. We fought that war. We paid that price. That is now over. It's time for us to quit being ashamed of our heritage and who we are. Now, people listening to this right now, some are nervous because they've never heard anybody say it. Brother, I'm a proud of my Christian heritage, my white Christian heritage. I'm proud of it. And it's time that we stand up and, as I said, brothers, push back because if we don't, man, oh man, we'll never be able to rescue this. And you know what? The, the black Christian, he takes it the right way. He understands most people get it, but we've been so shamed. We've been so taught to be ashamed of our of our Christian heritage that uh, we just keep our mouths shut and they run right over the top of us. Amen. Can you imagine, Doug? Nineteen forty-eight. The war has been over four years. Can you imagine if we'd elected a president named? Uh, uh, 
something Heinrich well, Adolf Eichmann or you know yeah. Adolf Eichmann or something Hitler. Yeah. Adolf Eichmann Hitler as president yeah. of the United States and, and it was eight years after nine one one we elect a guy with three Muslims names how stupid are we when we find out that he's not this red blooded American guy that they tried to tell us that he was that's right and, it's and, great and, deception and, brother great deception it, it is. is. And it's been by design, and you're right. It, it, uh, the answers, the solutions, the battle r- rages in the, in the spiritual, but the answers can be found there as well. We know, you know, we, we just have to show up. And, and coach, I just want to say, I'm glad you're our coach. We, we do have, uh, you know, spiritual, uh, advisors, uh, Pastor Langford. Now you're our coach. You're the guy that, uh, I, I look at for, um, uh, instructions on the field. And, uh, you set, you set the example. So, you certainly uh, don't ask us to do anything you haven't done or aren't doing yourself, and we really appreciate that. And you're just, just doing my job, man. Doug. Just doing my job. You know, the Lord said that yeah. the, put your hand to the plow and don't look back. And I try to tell people this. I'm not going to criticize what you do. You don't criticize what I do. I'm going to plow my row, and when I get the other end of the row, we'll have a discussion when we get there. But until then, don't tell me how to do what I do. I'm doing my best yeah. to follow what it is the Lord called me to do. Amen. Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer. Coach, we're going to cut you loose. Uh, you get some rest. I know you've got a busy week. You got a show in the morning. Uh, and, and folks, uh, uh, seven o'clock in the morning, right? You can join, uh, you can, uh, coach, you, people can join us. Yeah, they can join it live and it's archived. They can listen to it on our phone. Just go to coachdavelive.com. It's there. It's there all day. It'll be there forever. You can go back and listen to it. Don't quit listening to Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity. Yeah. Download one of my shows and let, I guarantee an hour is going to, it's going to really, really change your God love you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything you're doing for the cause, for for the Christian men. We love you, and uh, please uh, stay in touch so we can keep updated on your fine work. And uh, thanks for being you, brother. Thank oh, you. Oh, we love so you guys, much. man. Thanks a lot, Doug. Yo, we'll see you later, man. Bye, bye, coach. You know, Joe, that was. Uh, uh, it's it's so great to, to to have somebody like Coach Dave Dobmar. To me, having met him in Montana, um, really we met him many guy. times. I yeah. mean, yeah, but but. You rub shoulders with a guy like this, uh, with Coach Dave Dobmar. And, and thank God, I mean, he was listening to me the other night when I was screwing up, when I screwed up his quote, but, uh, um, you know, it, it's, it's refreshing, isn't it? And, and for him to talk about the wasp issue, that hits close to home to me because so many people today are so afraid to even mention that. My goodness, I don't want to be called a, a, a xenophobe. I don't want to be called a, a racist. Um, but you know, isn't it funny that, that the, that black lives matter. Um, they're allowed to elevate the black race over and above the white race, and and I think that, but I think that's by design because I think that that uh, the racial divide in this country is artificial. It's orchestrated and it's being propelled by the powers, uh, the the people in power, the Clintons, the the and oh, and you for know, the most part, the people in power are the ones who have been behind the racial divide in this country for that, so long, from the beginning lawmakers when slavery was legal. Yep. Even throughout the, you know, after the Civil War, you know, you saw the, regardless of uh, a politician's party or stance, um, I mean, just from generations before me, older people I knew, they they did have race, racist tendencies, but that came from somewhere. And, you know, it all stemmed back to um, the people in power. Uh, and there were ways to change it and I, I think people wanted it a certain way and it was left that way on purpose yeah yeah exactly because they were scared of the alternative but um i mean there was okay there there was abject racism there has been i mean we mm-hmm. we, we understand that we can acknowledge that 
but to to think today in 2016 where we are today there the vein of racism i think is is more contrived it's it's more orchestrated it's more it's being managed almost like a pr campaign by by the progressive democratic national socialists by the progressive left yeah. and anything else and it's it, People are are given the idea that something is owed to them because of right. you know their ancestors what their ancestors went through, um, and, and all that should be in the past. We should all be moving forward together, trying to make things keeping me down better. Bro. You know, as a as a nation, instead of being, <laughs> I mean, even universities today, um, they're they're segregating students. Uh, I don't know if you, I don't I think s- we talked uh, about uh, it, but uh, yes. University of. Um, Oh goodness! It was this one Ivy League school, and then there was another university um, where they are segregating African American students from white students in different housing complexes. And that goes back to you know what created the problem. You know some of those the, problems. See that pendulum point. swings too far to the left in this case. And, and you know you, since you brought this up, and, and we we left uh, uh, the, the uh, with coach talking, we were talking about the the different the you know the. Uh, there is something here, and look at Tim Kaine, uh, Democratic National Socialist ticket under Hillary Rodham mm-hmm. Clinton. Tim Kaine. We're going to be you, doing a lot more digging and information, uh, information on him uh, here in the next. He's like weeks. he's like an Obama, a white Obama. Uh, he except that his, um, uh, he, I mean, he went down to the uh, Central America, Honduras back in the uh, early eighties. And embraced liberation theology. Did you know that, folks? Um, First time I heard. That. And and he, of course, is a Jesuit. Um, uh, his his liberation theology is also uh, bolstered by his Jesuit um, uh, influence. But uh, the um, the uh, uh, the fact that Tim Kaine's political formation was really pro communist pro-marxist okay now i say that people will say wait a minute is it marxist leninist or is it marxist because there is a slight difference but in the end it all points to communism this social justice slash liberation theology folks is one of subjugation of the people it's willing subjugation so when you look at this understand the journalistic and academic uh bias of tim kane and the workings of Tim Kaine. Get to know this. This is an Obama, a white, or a Caucasian if you prefer, Obama, but even more of an activist, or as much as an activist as Obama. Now, now think about that, especially up against the potential, whatever's going to happen with Clinton and that ticket. So, folks, understand what we're dealing with here, the communist vein and the uh, liberation theology that has, which is nothing more than a Marxist or even a communist ideology, is overtaking this country. This is this is all going to lead toward that new world order, new economic order, and one world religion. Because obviously, Jesus Christ has no place in black or uh, liberation theology or Marxist theology or Marxist-Leninist theology, or whatever it's known, however you want to describe it. So they're going to excise the Gospels to omit our Lord and Savior. Joe? 
We are coming up against our closing moments here on the program. Just to give you a quick recap, in the first hour we talked about news, especially the latest developments with Hillary Clinton and her campaign and her health that's not come out. Uh, The New York Post has published a story, Clinton team avoided ER to conceal details of her medical treatment. Mm. Uh, and folks, there's a lot of stories about you know some opinions and other factual. You want to you want to because you you were doing some research that building where Hill, uh, Chelsea Clinton lives. There's some interesting occupants there, including potentially. What? Well, there was uh, interesting occupants there, but it comes. There's a MetroCare Home Services uh, uh, AgingCare.com is mm-hmm. the website, but the MetroCare Health Services is listed as. Having been or uh, in the past, and this is what I need you to check on. Right. It's at the same address where uh, Hillary's daughter lives, where they were yesterday, where they went for that missing 90 minutes after But you know, she, she would not necessarily go to a place like that. She, she's got her own team of doctors and specialists, but we're being gamed. If, if, but, but folks. Well, then to see this article from the New York Post, she avoided the emergency room. Oh, uh, okay. To conceal details of her medical treatment, that on the New York Post right now. But but I think it's deeper than that, Joe. And, and as we as we talked about in the first hour, this is not necessarily about Hillary pneumonia, uh, having pneumonia for crying out loud. Look, mm-hmm. uh, if you believe that, oh my goodness, it was just a consequence of pneumonia that she was diagnosed on Friday. If you believe that whole BS story, man, go ahead and keep your uh, keep your head where it's at, okay? Because I can't afford to surgically remove it from your orifice <laughs> there. Um, uh, I just it, it look. We're being gamed. The the stakes are much greater than we're being told. It's much bigger than a video. It's much bigger than Hillary Clinton. It's much bigger than anyone really understands. And we're we're heading towards a constitutional crisis tomorrow. Jonathan Kahn, first two hours. Mm-hmm. Good job putting that together. It's and uh, then yeah. followed by Stan Dale. But we're going to be going over Jonathan's new book. Um, Tell a neighbor, tell a friend, tell your family to listen tomorrow night. First two hours with Jonathan Kahn, followed yeah. by Stan Dale. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, he's got a lot to talk about. He's excited to come on. And yes. we're going to get into the details of his latest book. Um, so, again, Jonathan Kahn, tomorrow. The book of Mysteries. Mm-hmm. Great book. Till tomorrow, folks, God bless each and every one of you. Thank you so much for your prayers and your support. We love you.